and welcome to this week's episode of Sorry You're In My Seat, a weekly podcast that unites two best friends on a quest to find the greatest movies of all time. I'm your host, Aaron, and each week I have the pleasure of talking movies and films with my very own Alfred Pennywise, Robin, whatever you want to call him. It's James. I'm James. I knew you was going to do that. <laughs> of course I was. I, I was thought always going to. You were going to do that or I'm not Batman. It was going to be one or the other. That was funny. Redo it. <laughs> <laughs> this week is our episode, our love letter to the Batman or Batman. The Batman is on its way out. The Robert Pattinson movie is due to break into cinemas any day now. So ahead of the curve, we are just quickly going to do a Batman episode. We have done over 184 other episodes on all sorts of film characters, directors and different types of movies across the big screen and the small screen. And if you're into your comic book films, we have done uh, Marvel, DC. We've done um, we've done uh, we've done Batman with the original one with Jack Nicholson, and obviously Michael Keaton from 1989. We've done the whole DC in one of our longest episodes ever. We did mm. the whole DC EU run, which was wicked. We did the Marvels? We do like these films as well, so we're always. And we did the Joker, like, and we did the Joker. We did the, the Joker, one. yeah. So it seems weird that we're only now just getting around to actually the Cape Crusader himself. The Cape Crusader in his. The defining of a generation at some time, but now I guess we've got many questions like, do they age well? What, you know, these Nolan films, what are they in comparison now to the greater like MCU, that type of thing? Where mm. does it live? Because at the time, go back to episode one, we talked about how we thought The Dark Knight was easily, I think it was all three of ours, the best comic book film of all time. Since then, mate, I know you're a huge fan of Logan, so that might have changed. We had obviously Infinity Wars, which you've got to argue was, was one of the biggest cinema experiences you will ever have. Could the Batman have competed against that? Could mm. the Dark Knight, which is seen as, you know, obviously got the Oscar for Heath Ledger, great performances, but where does it live in this post-Marvel world, if you will? And of course now, No Way Home, just finishing in the cinemas, <sighs> is another billion-breaking box office movie. The Dark Knight being, I think, the first of the comic book runs to break the billion yeah. in the international box office. But now, yeah, as you say, we've got the Infinity Wars uh, movies and Endgame and uh, no doubt Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is going to get up there. I don't know if it's going to have the same clout as No Way Home did, but... but, but we've been proven wrong before. I mean, just mm. look at Guys of Galaxy, mate. No one saw that coming. No one saw that coming. <laughs> no one. Everyone um, saw Eternals, though. <laughs> Batman, we, <laughs> Batman, we are going to look mainly at the Nolan trilogy. Um, but regarded by many film lovers, cinema goers, comic book fans as the quintessential trilogy in that genre of filmmaking. Um, we are obviously going to nod to the other incarnations, whether they have bat nipples or no bat nipples. Um, and we're going to give a bit of a rundown of the character himself where he first appeared. We are not comic book experts. No, 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 no. Need to put that out there. We say that every week. We're just film enthusiasts making a podcast for other film enthusiasts. If you are a diehard Batman fan, I know what it's like. I've listened to podcasts before about a topic that I'm particularly passionate about. Passionate about. Yeah. And sometimes you're like, oh, that's a bit wrong what they're saying. So I'm not, we're not going into that much detail. We are just going to lust Mate, gonna, over the character. We're going to do that even when we start talking about one simple thing. Batman Begins, if the film can't say Reyes al Ghul correctly, because it uses both pronunciation of Rash al Ghul and Reyes al Ghul. So just calm down, be with us mm -hmm. in spirit. You know, we're fans talking about this through a love. That's mm -hmm. it. We're not experts. We, we are not. Most definitely not, James. No, we're not Goffmites. Really? <laughs> oh. <Ooh. laughs> uh, but if you do like this episode, don't forget to like and subscribe. And thank you once again for choosing this podcast over the billion other podcasts that are out there. It does mean the world to us. If you do like it, like, subscribe. New episode each and every week. Always free. Never charge for this podcast. And you're about to find out why. <laughs> <laughs> this is our Batman episode. Um, I'm going to drive straight into it because uh, this podcast... 
has never delved into the political world. No. Uh, we've made a few nods at COVID happening. That was just because yeah. it affected our ability to record. But there's a we lot can't. going on in the world at the moment, James. Our ways to take the piss. This aren't situations to take the piss. No, so. no. So we are going to uh, acknowledge that, that, that there is a lot of stuff going on in the world right now, but we are going to keep it on focus and hopefully just try and entertain, reduce some anxieties. Put um, some laughter in the world. Y- yeah. And <laughs> so we're sorry. <laughs> in advance. <laughs> and Batman. So just a very first uh, starting place then for us. The Batman first appeared in the 27th issue of Detective comics on March 30th 1939 created by artist Bob Kane and writer Bill Finger I think Bob Kane gets most of the credit Bob Kane does because it's the name that you instantly you go where is that name it's because you've seen it on on all the tile screens in Bob Kane Mm. from the gotta say that's also a cool superhero name anyway Bob Bob Kane Bob Kane (laughs) yeah and it fits so well into the Gotham world, yeah. the DC world. Um, but I think from reading around the subject, uh, Bill Finger's writing, kind of moulding the character, the backstory, I think the two now are synonymous with mm. the image and the the, the story. Uh, but this is DC's Dark Knight, a world-renowned favourite in comics, film, animation and games. Batman is a vigilante hero, an alias of Goth- uh, and the alias of Gotham billionaire Bruce Wayne, an orphan turned playboy, Philanthropist. Mm. Ooh. That's year one Batman. I'm going to go straight in there right now. Yeah, go for it. The rumours are that the Rob Pattinson um, version is not year one. It's not. He's been crime fan for two years, I believe. But it's still... So it's a young Batman trying to find his way. Because the Thomas and Martha Wayne thing... Yes, yeah. I mean that now really warrants... I it, think in Justice League or, or, or the Batman vs Superman... Man, you kind of saw that in the opening crawl of the movie. You saw the trailers, didn't you? Yeah. It's not, it's not a trailer. In the title screens, it did it. And it, uh, do you know what? I think he did it pretty well. It was like, this is what you need to know. And if you were in late, you already mm. knew the backstory anyway. Move on. <laughs> yeah, it was like, it was Javier Bardem. It was a... No. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it was Jeffrey D. Morgan. <laughs> there you go. It was uh, Je- Jeffrey D. Morgan. That's a running joke in this podcast. <laughs> it, it, you know, you just need to see Pearl's slow motion yes. hitting the concrete and someone running away. And then a young boy, obviously, you not know, dev- not, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> devastated by the loss of the parents. In but, in, in, like, what's it called? Is it called like Suicide Alley or somewhere like It's like, why would you go for a walk? <laughs> Have a word for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Exiting from the back alley of the theatre. Um after witnessing his parents being gunned down, a young Bruce swears vengeance against Gotham's criminal underworld, mm. either working alone, the Cape Crusader and the world's greatest detective, or with um, allies such as Robin and the Justice League. Fans would see the Dark Knight um, and the Gotham Knight face off against Bane, Catwoman, Riddler, Penguin, Scarecrow, Two-Face, Mr. Freeze, Poison Ivy, Killer Croc, Clayface, Black Mask, Hush, Calendar Man, Firefly, Victor Zaz, and of course, Arch nemesis the joker i thought we were gonna go with the condiment king <laughs> would have been awesome i would do you know what he's got i say this all the time I do say this all the time. I say this he's got the best rose gallery and my your villain is only as good as your sorry your heroes is only as yeah. good as your villains he's got the best and every time someone takes a little nuance so breaking the breaking some laws christopher nolan the first film he picked two characters that had never been done on the big screen before the arkham asylum games you have to go see the calendar man when you hear the calendar man he does special things on anniversaries of gotham it doesn't sound very interesting but he do when you put that kind of gotham spin on it it looks dark, like hush it, hush isn't a villain of um 
Batman is, a, is an enemy of Bruce Wayne. He's trying to like mm. steal his face. <laughs> uh, well, and this is it. I mean, a lot of people were thinking uh, Paul Dano's Riddler was Hush mm. originally. Yeah. Before they announced, no, this is the Riddler. And we start seeing the question mark in all the trailers. In the, in the cappuccino. In the cappuccino. <laughs> well, mate, attention to that. detail. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think as well, the Calendar Man, just for anyone who is a fan of the Arkham Knight games, if you didn't get that achievement, um, you had to change your Xbox or PlayStation dates and time yeah. to the date on the calendar in that room to be able to unlock that achievement. Took me ages to figure that out it was it was i love next level shit like that yeah things, but it's like uh the solid snake games where you to just like not play it for a while oh metal gear <laughs> and, and he died yeah um unlike many superheroes batman is man he's a human he is flesh and bone and without magic or superpowers batman uses martial arts advanced technology stealth weaponry and intellect to overcome his villains mm. i think that's what makes him so um, accessible, to accessible, but yeah. also a favorite, a fan favorite. You know, like Superman at the end of the day, it's too OP. Yeah, it's too I mean, overpowered. Yeah, he's basically Kevlar, isn't he? He's yeah. just, you know, he's. But whereas with Batman, and I think this, I was thinking this about like characters like Reacher that we've talked about over the last few weeks, which is just killing it on Amazon Prime. You know, because I think younger readers will look at Batman and think he looks cool. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't look like the other superheroes. He's not. He's not brightly coloured. You know, he's not like uh, America's hero. He's like he's he's doing the dirty work because the police can't do it. But he looks really cool. Whereas I think audio ad- uh, audiences kind of gravitate towards Batman because it's like, you know, we've all been in that situation where you think you could just step up and be the person that sorts something out. You know, and and have that power, be the biggest man in the room, be the strongest. And Batman is that person, much like Reacher is. And I think that's why it gravitates towards that older audience as much as a younger audience. It captures all generations. Yeah, mm. I'd agree with that. It's kind of different as well, like the mind, like the idea he's got a plan for everything. Mm. Like I know in the comic books and some of the games as well, he's he's got a plan for everything. Any situation, it's like, oh, Spider-Man's got the shit. Don't worry, he's got a plan. <laughs> it's got everything, mate. Got super strength, Imodium. The greatest detective part of it though. Now, because I didn't read the source material, I don't know yeah. how much detective work he did in the comic books. Apparently he does a lot more than he does in the films. <laughs> yeah, because there's not a lot of detective work in the films, is no, there? And, no, there's not. And I mean, in the games there certainly is. And certainly by, I think it was the third game the Ar- of the Arkham trilogy, it really was like, you investigate a crime scene. It, yeah, you could, put, like, you could put it together, couldn't you? Yeah. Like, you had to pick the right order of events happening. Yeah, that was cool. But I do like that that title, you know, the greatest detective, you know, helping the police out. But he's still, an, you know, to the police, he's an anti-hero, he's a vigilante. Half the police want to think he should be arrested, that he's a nuisance of a half, champion him. Now, by 1940, Batman had his own run of comics. Unlike Superman, Batman was ruthless, violent, and he would often kill. I know. His moral code would not develop until into the uh, 1960s when Adam West would don the cowl and he would pow, bang, whoop, and smash his way through uh, weekly television in a camp <laughs> and friendly Cape Crusader performance. It was very camp. But you had some stellar writing then. <laughs> Never forget one of my favourite memories growing up. And when I say grown up, not that long ago, I was watching the Batman 1966 film where all of the villains have got together. And this is the famous scene where he's on a helicopter. There's a shark trying oh, yeah. to eat his leg and he uses anti-shark spray. And then he works out. If this is, and I swear to God, the situation was, this is how he works out everyone's against him. The situation was a bit fishy. <laughs> Penguin must be involved. The shark was pulling on his leg. What else pulls on his leg? You joke and pulling your leg. Joke must be in it. They were out at C. C sounds like the letter C. Catwoman must be involved. And then and then he just goes, it's all such a conundrum. <gasps> the riddler must be involved. But do you know what? He was right. I tell you, I'll take it back. <laughs> Detective work. <laughs> I, 
egg on my face, James. <laughs> what a detective. I'm just going to say, though, and that's, that, that film starts where he's got a bomb and he runs to one side, he tries to throw it in the water, but there's uh, some kid sea paddling, yeah. so he runs onto the other side and there's a load of ducks. And then he, he turns to the camera and says, sometimes there's just no good way to get rid of a bomb. The end of basically the Dark Rise. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking remake. Full circle. And of course, in the Batman Lego movie, there is the oh, nod yes. to the uh, shark spray. Yes. Uh, which is brilliant. Um, I think to many people, the, the Adam West, like Batman is, is the Batman because they, particularly the audience that, you know, grew up in the sixties that tuned in weekly to watch that. You know, I imagine everything above and beyond Adam West is, is, you know, dark and dangerous and moody and all that kind of stuff. But there are diehard fans that like the 60s Batman is the yeah. Batman. You know, Cesar Romero is the Joker. But he refused to shave that mustache. I know, it's, but it's brilliant. It is brilliant. Don't get me wrong, I love Caesar. Um, even a bit of Rocky's trainer in there as the Penguin, mate, or Bruce, uh, Burgess Meredith. Oh, yeah. It's all fantastic. It's all phenomenal. It's all fun as well. And then you have, the, you, it's an iconic, pow, what? There are people, you know, Bang! You know, everyone knows what you're talking about when you say. It. As a matter of fact, that hasn't been on the film for it hasn't been on TV for 60 mm. years. People still know what you're talking about. It's iconic, iconic. Um, writers such as Frank Miller in the 80s would then try and re-darken Batman, uh, take him back to his roots. And in 89, Tim Burton and Michael Keaton would come together to create Batman, starring Ooh. Jack Nicholson in the um, not title role, but, but got the name credit for that title role. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? When you watch Batman, it's like the first name that pops up, Jack Nicholson, yeah. because. He's Jack Nixon. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> you, Batman? No, you don't need to know. He's <laughs> just, <laughs> just there. Um, and of course, we've done an episode on that movie and that movie holds up. It's a classic. It is brilliant. It's a... It's a, um, it's a tour de force, mate. It's different. It was new, especially in comparison to like Superman where he's bubbly. He was telling kids mm. to eat their vitamins like Hulk Hogan. You had this guy who like literally threw smoke uh, smoke bombs and then would disappear. Yeah. Um, you, I forgot, as a kid, you don't understand the nuances. Like, they're talking about, like, he eats his victims. You know, that sort of thing. It's like, oh, my God, he's he's not a man. He's a creature. Mm. And then you see him, you know, f- throw people off a building. <laughs> not afraid to kill, is, kill people. That is an awesome introduction. I, I think I said this on the that episode. But how he's introduced on the rooftop with the two villains in that film is so good. That's so good. And right at the front, you paid money. You sat down in the cinema. You want to watch a Batman film. And not like nowadays where you've got to wait... He's got to find nah, his cow. He, yeah, he's got, <laughs> he's got to get bitten by a spider. Yeah, you've got to go through, and here's the crap costume, and in the last 10 minutes, he'll put on the proper costume. And that penetrates into even shows like The Punisher, where it takes him to like episode just, nine. Just to get a skull on his chest. To get a shirt. skull on his chest, which has now been retired as well. Disney have got rid of that skull. Um, but, you know, in, in that, you know, just straight away, balls to the wall, because it was actually more of a Joker origin story. <laughs> if we need to get Batman out of the way. <laughs> People want to see this guy fall into the power maker. I don't know what the, it's called. The, the acids, you know. The uh, makeup thing. Where there's no health and safety in that building. No. Um, but he was Gotham. Batman uh, would then also get his sequel in 82, Batman Returns. Underrated. Very underrated. I think it's brilliant. Wow. It's so dark. I was thinking this the other day. I was like, I was like, oh, you know, we're going to get Catwoman and Penguin in a mm. movie. Well, we've had that in 80, 92, yeah. sorry. In 92, we had that. But now we get the Riddler as well. Could you imagine that 92 movie with Jim Carrey in it? Yes. <laughs> what a fucking mess that would have been. It would have been a car crash, wouldn't it? Yeah. But no, you've, but what you've got is you've got Danny DeVito. It was brilliant. Like, kind of, you're on his side. And the citizens of Gotham go on his side as well. They're all like, you know, he tells his story about how he's an orphan. He starts that film. You're talking mm. about fucking badass beginnings. He's thrown out. I know. <laughs> Gets before, adopted by some penguins. Before Pee Wee Herman was <laughs> masturbating in the cinema, he was throwing kids in the river. <laughs> <laughs> 
fucking his career went d- downhill. <laughs> I'm not really sure where. It, oh, maybe it got better. I don't know. Uh, then he was trying to kill an animal in that hotel. Yes, he was. <laughs> oh, went off then. Anyway, I really liked that. I really liked. I, what I love about it is it's set at Christmas. Fucking terrifying mm. Christmas in old Gotham, mate. Stay the fuck away the, from there. Returns has so many like just. Brilliant moments there. I think Michelle Pfeiffer rocks in that movie. Oh, she does. She is. She's outstanding, especially uh, Christopher Walken, who's not even like a, a character, mm. but but his role as Max, Max Schaefer, isn't it? Max yeah. Schaefer. He's he's just going around being a. He's the biggest villain in it. Yeah, he's the corporate villain. Yeah, exactly. Cinema's worst villain. I remember that scene. I remember it. I haven't seen Batman Returns in so long, but but like when he kills when he kills Michelle Pfeiffer, that's fucking horrible. Yeah. Then kids, then cats. <laughs> Because that's how life. it works. Yeah. Cat licks you when you're dead. You yeah. come back. That's what it is, yeah. <laughs> Mate, um, I'm just saying that room must have fucking stank. <laughs> <laughs> but she rocks that. And obviously, you know, in a parallel universe, maybe we would have got the Sean Young version, which if anyone doesn't know, Sean Young basically stalked Tim Burton on set. Yeah, she wanted that role. <laughs> she turned up in her own Catwoman outfit. And- for, for like for like when he was out for a meal with his kids. Yeah. <laughs> she would show up in a Catwoman outfit. And that's, I mean, that's ballsy, that is, that not is. to get it. Um, but then, you know, uh, that movie, the whole fight scene, you know, the Christmas showdown fight scene with Batman when he comes into it, taking on the the carny folk. That's awesome, all that stuff. Yeah. Catwoman rocks in just about every scene that she's in. The the set design in that movie as well, towards the end when you get the penguins with the rockets, which again is nodded to in the Jeremy Irons and Ben Affleck Batman when did he's you, like... Do you think our biggest problem was when we had rocket-propelled penguins yeah, or something? Yeah, which kind of nods to itself in its universe. and. And there were bits as well, like when Penguin takes over Batman's uh, Batmobile, yeah. the Batmobile as well. I'm putting yeah. that out there right now. Like I know we're going to talk about the Nolan one, but the 89 and yeah. 92 Batmobile is the Batmobile coming back in the Flash movie. God. But, um, you know, when Penguin takes over it and he's got the, like the remote control and he's just so extra. <laughs> it's just brilliant. It's brilliant. Um, unfortunately, it's not all great because then we had Val Kilmer and George Clooney put on the cow. Right. Val Kilmer's problem was <clears throat> Joel Schumacher. Joel Schumacher came in and Joel Schumacher all over the place. Yeah. I think Val Kilmer would have been an interesting choice. And I still say this. I still think of all the actors who've played Batman, George Clooney's probably, if one of them was Batman, it'd probably be George Clooney. Because, you know, he's, he does, he's very private. <laughs> he a lot of guessing about his social life. He goes out and fights crime in a black leather. I'm just saying, it's George Clooney. Yeah, 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 yeah. George Clooney could be a vigilante. But, um, I fuck, mate, so embarrassed. For years, I said Val Kilmer was a good Bruce Wayne, right? I, yeah, I, I, I stuck by that for I ages I until I rewatched it. And it's just that bit where he's like, what has a face uh, and, <laughs> and hands but cannot see? And, and then someone goes, a clock. <laughs> he's like, oh yeah. It's like, oh no, he's not a good. I mean, because because I don't know if you read it, James. Uh, listen, sorry. We saw question. Intellect was one of his strong points. <laughs> Problem is, though, Val Kilmer spends a lot of his time trying to remember he's Val Kilmer. Like, I mean, he's remembering to be someone else. But I, I, I don't think he was a bad choice. I don't think it worked out. But I just think there was so much going on in that film. The film is bloated. You've got Tommy Lee Jones alongside. Well, Tommy Lee Jones isn't playing a character. Tommy Lee Jones is literally playing a bad person who flips a coin and keeps flipping it until he gets his choice. He's not. By this time, the cartoon, uh, the villains were just costumes. Yeah. Like Jim Carrey, hot, quite possibly his biggest role at the time. It's like, oh my God, he's going to be a villain in a Batman movie. He's the focus of the story. You find out, you know, what it's like before he's a loser. Don't really understand what's going on in his apartment because he essentially steals his, he steals his costume from the machine from Big. <laughs> it's it's a bit weird, isn't it? He starts off as like a terrorist in the world of Big. Yeah. Yeah. And he turns into Jim Carrey. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
it's 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 a weird one. Um, I like the idea though, but the idea now, like realism, is they've taken it back and shot it in mm-hmm. the head. The idea though that a TV stealing people's thoughts—that's a really cool idea. That's straight out of the sixties though. Yeah. It is the, yeah, Joel Schumacher researched the 60s movies yeah. instead of the, the Tim Burton stuff. But they said that Returns have got too dark. They wanted to get a younger audience in. The best way, bright colours. I remember these films being bright colours. And the one thing they did do, now you you are an apologist when it comes to Val Kilmer. I'm an apologist for Joel Schumacher because as a kid, I loved like Gotham City. Like you saw like mm. these big statues that made no sense because if you think about it realistically, that must mean that the museum in Batman and Robin must have been about 60 miles up in the air yeah. and was only accessible via a statue. <laughs> Wait, is it not? No. So whilst um, whilst I really liked the look of Gotham as a kid, when you look at it now, it's just like, who the fuck designed this? What what pillock done this? Yeah, but then again, we talked about this with the 89 Batman. Like what time is that? Because all the cars and the way people dress. And this, I love that though, don't you? You know, it, it's you cannot put a timestamp on when the 89 Batman is set. Mm. It's so weird, actually. The, that really bugged me when I was watching. Because everyone is also like walking around. There's a lot of actors in that that look like they're fresh off the set of Bugsy Malone. Yeah. But, oh, I don't know. Um, then, and then obviously this film famously introduced old Chris O'Donnell. He had a career once as the old Robin. That was... Fucking terrible. Robin's hard to pull off in cinema. He is, because you either go the route where you're in the cinema going, I bet Gordon Levitt turns Just out Gordon to be, Levitt, yeah. Gordon, it turns out to be Robin. And then at the end, you, it's not a surprise because you knew it. But you kind of forgive that because Robin's his name and it's got nothing to do with him whatsoever. Whereas watching this pillock, and I, the problem is as well, it's when he gets the Batmobile and he goes off and he fights a street gang and a Coolio's in it. Coolio is in it, James. And you just think... Oh, I think it was also Chris Chris O'Donnell um, just, I think he missed the point of that movie. Like I didn't see, I don't think he kind of dialed into Schumacher's 60s target with that film because he's playing it straight. You know what I mean? Like, and it's in this one, not the fourth one, but this this time I'll come. And and don't get me wrong, like what I've seen of things like Titans and stuff like that, the, you know, the the kind of younger Robin stuff, the Robin has a place. And I think, Mm. again, a very, very much a fan favorite in those that are, um, you know, the, um, was it the Burt Warner original uh, Robin? I, I think to some people obviously love it, but in, he is a bit of a poison chalice in, in this because you're always going to be the secondary to the most awesome character in cinema and comic books. The, the thing is as well is that Val Kilmer spends a lot of the time like proper expressionless, staring into the camera, whispering lines that don't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that happened. And you're like, yep, I've also got the power of memory. <laughs> And then he's against uh, Nicole Kidman, who quite clearly doesn't want to be in the film. <laughs> she, she definitely gives that impression where she's like, oh, I thought I was going to be in a decent film. I'm not. Fuck you. You're getting base level. <laughs> You're getting base level Kidman. Yeah. And, I, and I'm a fan of Kidman, which is a shame. I mean, obviously moving on, we would get Christian Bale and Ben Affleck um, taking on the characters in the 2000s. In the animated universe, fan favourite Kevin Conroy yeah. um, is probably the, the favourite hero from the animated series that started in the 90s up against Mark Hamill's Joker. But we've also had Jason O'Mara do the voice of Batman and, of course, Will Honor in the Lego franchise. He was very good. That comedy spin on Batman was phenomenally mm. funny and very good and heartbreaking because Lego don't own the rights now to Lego Batman, so you'll never get a Lego Batman 2. That is true, because obviously he came back in... It wasn't Lego Batman 2, was it? It was the... Is it Batman movie? Uh, the Lego Lego yeah. movie 2, yeah. But the... Um, yeah, that, that Lego Batman is so funny. So many nods. But everything in that film was a joke. It was brilliant. It was. He didn't take itself seriously. He knew exactly what it was and weirdly was somehow better mm. than anything that it 
well, not gone before it, but was a great spin on things. Great mockumentary, but at the same time giving a good story. Yeah. And I've always wanted to see Batman versus Voldemort. And if that's not true, then throw in some Daleks, mate. Fucking sign me up. <laughs> and uh, who, was it, who, did, who was it? Did Alfred in that? It was. Um... It was. Uh, it was Voldemort. Yeah, that's what yeah, I mean. It, yeah, it, it was. was uh, uh, I can't remember. Uh, Ralph Fiennes, because he also voices Voldemort. <laughs> that's brilliant. So. We're going to look at the Christopher Nolan trilogy. Now, going back, I remember when there were talks about Batman was being rebooted, you know, before all the Christian Bale, all that kind of stuff. You know, so my timeline was that I was introduced to Batman via the 89 movie, not obviously in 89 yep. when I was older. Um, and then the, uh, obviously the Joel Schumacher stuff when I was kind of growing up. I do think I went to go see Batman and Robin at the cinema. I think my nan took me because she was big into Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yep. And I remember- hey, he was the biggest paid- Movie star of all time, wasn't he? Because at he that shaved point. his head. Because he shaved his head. He got paid the most anyone had been paid at that time. And uh, so I was excited. I was excited to see Batman back on the big screen. Now I was uh, in my early teens, I think, when this movie came out. I certainly think I was at college. Um, and going back to it, Batman Begins. Does it age well? So Going back this week. So Batman Begins was a weird one. So if I start my starting point, when I look at the trilogy, Batman Begins to me is a very... Weak film, very played by the numbers, not very memorable. So of the three films when I was rewatching this week, wasn't really looking forward to this one. I was, I was, a, I wasn't, I didn't think it was a bad film, but you got to sit through it because you know what's coming. You're like, I know what's coming. So I just have to sit through this two, and they're all quite, they're all two and a half hours long. And I still, I remember my memory of Batman Begins, it felt two and a half hours long. It felt like it was going to be a chore. So this week I rewatched it, mate, and I got to say completely wrong. I thought it aged very well. I thought it was very good. It was different movie. It was a different. It's a different movie style. Yeah, there are massive problems with it. Um, K. Holmes, <laughs> really? I, I I really didn't like K. Holmes. But then, but then I don't really like that character. I don't think that character belongs in either film. But that's something that we can Rachel talk about. Dawes. Rachel Dawes, not a huge fan of. But no, rewatching it, I actually was brilliant because you see Batman. We all know the history of Batman, but this is right. So this is my subtitle, Batman. Or how a man becomes a bat. So because <laughs> that's the hardest bit, isn't it? It's it trying does. to convince an audience in a straight-faced movie why your man would choose to dress up as a bat to yeah, fight crime. Yeah, why your billionaire who could do anything, has know, done, build an army, has done this. Yeah, he could do anything with his funding, with his money and his resource to get rid of crime in Gotham, but he's going to single-handedly do it in a costume. Yes. That is the hardest bit of Batman Begins, and I must give it credit. It that, answers that question. Yeah, I think Nolan and uh, screenwriter, it's Dennis uh, Goyer. Goyer, isn't yeah. it, did this one. Um, I think they did a tremendous job. That By the end of that movie, you went, oh, I see why I did that. Yeah. That I, makes sense. It, does that makes, it doesn't make sense, but it does. <laughs> it does make sense. And do you know what? What was really good is what well, we explored different layers of Gotham. Now, I was a big animated fan. The animated fan for Batman is one of my favourite shows of all time. And if mm. when we did our top five shows, if we'd included animation, which we didn't, it would have been in the top five. Fucking love Batman. That was that TV series was phenomenal. This film is like a like a live action remake of it. It's it's everything that you want. A dark, brooding. I like. He holds up. He recognizes that you know Jim Gordon's a good cop. Jim Gordon isn't the commissioner by the stage. So not only do we learn through Batman, we learn the other characters and their growth. <clears throat> Quite possibly my favorite Alfred as well. Michael Caine's phenomenal. Really steps up in the next two films. But you know, good base level. I like my Michael Caine. Right. Well, let's let's go there then. Alfred's. Alfred's. Michael Caine, I think you're right. I do like Michael Go though. because I like was, Michael Go was, as well, but but was essentially a good butler. He was a butler. He was a butler, whereas Michael Caine- Is a friend. So there's always this idea that Alfred, and I, they did a TV series, has got like a backstory, like he's he can do things. Mm. He chooses not to though. He's like, I'll just look after your kid. <laughs> yeah, see, actually saying that, 
I reckon Sean Pertwee in Gotham is a great Alfred in the sense that, you know, because he's the parental figure, he's ex-British, like military, you know, he's he's hard not, he's from London, you know, he's cockney. He, you know, he he gets shit done, rolls up his sleeves, gets his hands dirty. Mm. And Gotham, the reason why I really quite like that show is because, um, yeah, it was the origin of, um, it was year one, drawn the fuck out, six seasons or five seasons or whatever it was. But it was just how they kind of introduced the, the villains and actually seeing those guys come up the ranks as the different kind of characters in it. I think Gotham was a show that really, you know, one of your standout points showed how many good villains are in yeah. this this universe in Gotham. God knows why anyone would choose to live in Gotham. That's, I imagine it's quite cheap. He's got to be cheap. It's it's like be every cheap. week it's like there's a gas attack. Oh, the Riddler's blown something That's up it. again. Yeah. What's your rent? It's three quid. I can see why you'd stay in Gotham. Send, send your kid to school on the school bus that gets kidnapped every other week. <laughs> You know. Get yourself some kid insurance. You'll be fine. Yeah, but I, I, I yeah, Alfreds are, Alfreds are, they can be like Michael Goes, just very much, you know, the butler. Um, yes, sir, bringing the food, kind of sarcastic somewhat. And he was a good continuation because he was there from Batman 89 and was there to the Clooney's murdering of that kind of role of, so it was really good to have that continuity. And he's a really good actor and he stands out, but bless him when they wanted to reboot they had to do something different I just think Michael Kemp was the perfect choice that friend that hand on your shoulder not afraid to like I don't I can't imagine Gove like slapping slapping like Keaton and going stop pissing about whereas, <laughs> whereas Michael, I imagine that's how Michael Kemp like woke up <laughs> Bruce Wayne's like get up I, I think um, I, I think the the later Jeremy Irons is is, is good I, I do I mean he's he's brilliantly British when he talks about <laughs> making tea and now, of course, now we've got Andy Circus, Which will, I think, will be great as well. It depends what they get Circus doing, is the, is the thing. Because Circus is... I mean, I, I imagine if you've drawn Andy Circus at this point, you've, you've, it's got to be something good. It, yeah, it's got to be. Yeah. Um, it is. Believe. <laughs> I do believe, James. So so I still... So I still... Michael Caine for me is absolutely phenomenal. And if you're talking about the trilogy, what you've got is... And I always say is, it's got the best supporting cast. And um, Lucius Fox. Like, like Batman's got... Plans, but he's not. He can't come up with everything. So Lucius Fox, one of the man. What's that phrase? You man in the seat. Yeah, yeah, man in the seat. Yeah, he's come up with these different plans. There's a reason as well why there's all this equipment coming around. So he's not. Batman hasn't designed this huge Batmobile. Mm. It's a prototype that no one knows about because it didn't work. So they mothballed it. So here comes a billionaire, and then there's like this really good dynamic where Lucius Fox is like, well, technically you own this. Mm. So that's a really good idea as well. So it explains where the equipment comes from. And then they hide the fact it's like, we'll order 10,000 of these parts put them together. So it's like, it's just a big business making, because I was always like, isn't it a bit weird that, you know, Bruce Wayne is, shows up at the same time as Batman <laughs> and no one ever goes, well, Bruce Wayne's just shown up and now there's Batman <laughs> because that's exactly what happened here. Yeah. It, it wouldn't make any sense. But I think the film does a good enough job. Um, and this is something I don't think anything had really done before. The animated series did it. Is Bruce Wayne's a, douchebag he's a dick that, that that's something that really resonates i think watching it this week is christian bell is, is an awesome batman we're, we're yeah. going to get to that in a few moments christian bell is an awesome actor the moments where he has to put on a pretend a slimy smug yeah, smug. billionaire and michael kane says to him alfred says to him you need to start acting like a, yeah, a, it, a bratty because he asks him what he does he goes you date supermodels and you buy things that aren't for sale yeah and then the next thing he's he's swimming in a like pond with two Russian supermodels and he buys the hotel when they try to kick him out. Yeah. And it's got that whole, you know, the camera turns and it shows you like disheartened and, and, and disgusted in himself, but realizing yeah. he has to do this. He has to make people distance the fact that Bruce Wayne could ever, ever possibly be 
um, the Batman. And I think that's awesome. And and that shows throughout, certainly the first two movies, obviously by the third one, you know, he's, he's broken and he's, mm. um, you, you know, his knees aren't working or anything like that. So that kind of does the job for it. But yeah, then then first two, and especially how the relationship with Rachel then blossoms in it. And he has, you know, she knows he's not a dick and, you yeah. know. Yeah. No, I'd agree with that. So Michael Caine, and I want to get into the third film and the second film, particularly where I think he grows. But in that first film as well, Gary Oldman, Jim Gordon. First time Jim Gordon's really taken centre stage because he was always the commissioner in the background who just like, like yeah, let Batman do it. I'm off for mm. it. I'm off for a kebab, whatever. So this time you've actually got Gary Oldman as an integral part. So he starts off as the only, and I think his introduction is 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 one of the best introductions ever because he's like, he watches his friend, his, his fellow cop, take a bribe. Yeah. And then he goes, it makes, and then he says to him, he says, it makes the rest of us nervous that you don't take a taste. And he goes, in a corrupt city who's there to complain to. And that's all you need to know. He's like, he wants to do the right thing, but if he did that, he'd just be ostracized. So he has to accept it, but at the same time doesn't accept it because he wants to do the right thing. Put it out there now, Gary Oldman across the three movies, I think, other than Christian Bell, MVP. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, everyone's going to go to Leon or Sirius Black for, for uh, Gary Oldman's best performance. Certainly no one's going to hunt a killer. No. But I, I think in this, first off, man suits a moustache. He does. Agreed. Pulls off that moustache. I, I think he's a perfect Jim Gordon. I think there's only one actor who could possibly do a better job. J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons, and we never got that, and that really pisses me off. We are getting it, though, aren't we? Are we? I think he's coming back for the Flash movie. Oh, yeah, but my problem is with the Flash movie, that's going to be it. There's going to be no need to carry on, though, so Mm. there'll be be an introduction, they'll be done. But I still think Jeffrey Wright, though, I think that's a good shout. That's a a very good shout, yeah. Yeah, Jeffrey Wright's awesome. I just think Gary Oldman here makes a character that was kind of backgroundy. So you saw these comic books. And Jim Gordon was a big part. He's never really, been, and in this film series, you know, he's like, "Give right, we want a big cast." Gary Oldman, get me Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman was a, the original choice for Razor Gold. Wow! Yeah, and then go. they went with everyone's favorite kosher Liam yeah. Neeson. Well, at the time, he was more quiet about his kosher. Kept his kosher on the down low. <laughs> yeah, um, Cillian Murphy, obviously in this one as well. Cillian Murphy had famously audition for Batman. Oh, mate, have you seen the list of the people who? who is, I don't know the full list. I just know that Cillian Murphy on uh, late night American talk shows talks about how he put the cowl on and he was considered. He was, he went, he went quite, he went quite high up there. He was one of the last few, but then in the end they brought him back for the Scarecrow. Um, but you've got Billy Crudup. I would like that. Yeah, Crudup, Crudup, he appears in quite a lot of stuff now. I mean, he's in yeah. my favourite Tim Burton movie, Big Fish. Yeah. You know, obviously plays uh, Mr. Manhattan perfectly. Mm-hmm. In Watchmen, penis, mate. He's, <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> now the next few lines, mate. You're gonna fucking. You're not gonna believe me, but I got a funny insight, so it must be true. Jake Gyllenhaal, so quite top. That would have been awesome. That would have been fun. Obviously, wouldn't have worked in the second film. But yeah, <laughs> but I'm just saying, Jake Gyllenhaal. Now this one, mate. You're gonna have to rewind back. Joshua Jackson, who I didn't know who was, then realised it's the guy from uh, Dawson's. Dawson's Creek. It's not Dawson. Oh, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was. He went into like of, fringe and doing other stuff like that. Yeah. Heath Ledger. David Boreanaz, the one that nearly got it was Josh Harnett. Obviously, everyone knows that Josh Harnett nearly got that. And obviously, Killian Murphy. So wow. I can't, the choices. I can't imagine any of them doing it. No. No, neither can I. But, but then, based on that, he later got called back for the second film and they wanted to get the Joker. So, mm. obviously, you've got that. He kept Killian Murphy. And uh, well, uh, Joshua Jackson didn't need it because he obviously went on to... Um... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yep. <laughs> Mate, Tom Wilkinson is uh, Carmen Fal- Falcone. Absolutely phenomenal. And do you know what? The man can't really do an American accent, but it doesn't matter. It, that's what I'm <laughs> it's, yeah. <laughs> because it doesn't matter, mate, because he'll chew that scenery. Yeah. So you can't tell. 
well over the top, but the perfect, what you want. It's like, it was like, we want a Shakespearean villain in a B movie. It's like, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> I do like, I do like a lot of his scenes though, particularly the one where young Bruce Wayne, floppy haired. So, you mm. know, it's a flashback. Oh, yeah. Goes to, uh, goes to see him and he's like, you've got a spirit kid. You know, that he whole kind of. the situation to him. Yeah. yeah. So basically like, like you don't know real fear. You know, you yeah. sit there in your ivory tower down here, fear. Because it's a fear trilogy. Mm. It's, everything's about fear. And especially this first one, they've literally got fear gas coming out all over the place. It's not subliminal, is it? It's not subliminal at all, but um, it's so nuanced as well. So I really like, basically it starts off with him returning and then you find out where he's been. The mentoring he's got with, I'm, I know I'm going to shock you here, but I think quite possibly the best, some of the best acting Liam Nielsen's ever done. He was, as the mentor, when he's not the main focus, he gives a lot he gives a lot. I thought mm. I like his character of Ducard, which obviously isn't no. isn't what he is. But when you first introduced him, I believed it. It's like the mentor figure. It's like he's good, a different kind of figure. You kind of understand where Batman's coming from. The only reason that Batman doesn't stay in the League of Shadows is that they kill people. It's literally the only defining point. Other than that, Bruce Wayne would have stayed there. Mm. And I think that's really cool. And I thought Liam, uh, Liam, ugh, Liam Nielsen was fantastic as this kind of mentor character. Well, I thought he was the perfect blend. And then I love uh, Ken Watanabe and him being Ra's al Ghul. I was like, oh my God, I'm so amazed. It's like, oh my God, it's going to be the greatest thing ever. And then he fucks off quietly. <laughs> so, yeah, it's bait and switch, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, bait and switch. But I do, I do like the, you know, the first, that 40 minutes of it, kind of showing the Bruce Wayne, showing the origin, showing the um, falling down the well, being yeah. scared by the bats, going away, finding himself only stealing from Wayne Enterprises, which is oh, great. Oh, that was awesome. Yeah, I love that. It's like, because he goes, you were a, you, you were a thief. And it was like, no, I technically didn't steal anything. Yeah. And then you see him as like, why'd you steal this? But I really wanted it to be like uh, Wayne Enterprises bread. <laughs> Just like be looking for this market, I can steal this. <laughs> yeah, it has all that that beginning bit, which I really, I am really fond of actually. Yeah, going to the the kind of secret lab, which I, when I was watching that this week, I was like, how did they build it there? Yeah, how did they build? You know, I know it obviously doesn't exist, but if it did exist, James, <laughs> Jesus, how did they get all that limp, like timber and and everything out up that mountain to build that quite luxurious training palace? Oh yeah, very luxurious. Yeah, and I like how it just keeps cutting away to scenes of Liam Neeson teaching life lessons. Yes. you know, fighting on ice and stuff like that. It's and, like you, you, all you've done is, um, oh, all you've done is given up sure footing for a killing blow, and then he's like, "Fuck you!" Yeah. in the ice. And then afterwards, he's like, "I'm gonna light this little fire." And then <laughs> he's like, and he's like, "Rub your chest." It's like, "Give him a fucking towel." <laughs> Go back to the big fucking mansion you've got. No <laughs> <Love> it. <laughs> also, love the fact that there's no. What I love about uh, Bruce Wayne, I've always said this, mate, uh, he's, he's definite. Like, so he's like, I'm going to leave now. It's like, no, all right, then I'll burn your, I'll burn your fucking mansion down. <laughs> it's like, I won't, you've taught me how to be a ninja. I won't sneak out later. Fuck you, I'm going to burn this. I, I do I do like all that scene, the, the, the kind of the final test, the kind of going yeah. up the ranks that you have to see. Right the way to um, saving uh, Ducard, saving the Anisha, by bicep curling him <laughs> up a cliff. Yes. Which every time I watch that, I'm like, fuck off. Like Liam Neeson, I'm not saying he's heavy, but you're not bicep curling him. <laughs> like last week, I did mention that um, Death on the Nile is the story of Poirot's moustache. It's really nice to have a backstory for the gauntlets that Batman uses because <laughs> they're the most consistent thing in, in the tree. You've always gone, where did he get it from? Turns out from fucking a mansion up a mountain somewhere. I do, I do like the whole League of Shadows, but I didn't think, same as you, going back to it, I was getting ready for Dark Knight. I thought, okay, we've got to get through Begins first, which I'd liked when it came out. You'd Seen like, it two or three said, times. You liked was. it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you liked it, but 
But when you've got a film coming up that you know you love, yeah. you're going to be like, I've got to get through this one. I, I like the Katie Holmes storyline in this as well. I quite like the childhood friends. That like, I like the what certainly plays out into the next movie and he's hanging over him in the third movie is this, yes. you know, waiting for him to finish and be able to hang up the cape before they can be together. And actually, as a narrative woven into the trilogy, you know, I, I think that's a really good storyline, actually. This, this idea that he's become you know, the, the, the hero, the, uh, the vigilante, he's got a job to do. She respects that, but it's becoming him. And actually Bruce Wayne is what he's losing. He's losing that side of him. Yeah, no, I get it. And I, and, and I know I'm being a bit too harsh, but I just, do you know what? That's, that's, I'm not going to die on that hill. Mm. That's fine. That's something I can see, especially in the second one and the third one, because that story doesn't go where you think it's going to go, which is really nice, especially for a film to basically just go, no, what you think to happen isn't going to happen. Move on. Yeah. But there's when you come back to the villain. So, <clears throat> shy surprise, turns out that when Batman returns, and he be, uh, sorry, I know I'm speaking a lot. I'm very excited. No, no. The introduction of Batman as well. So they're at the docks and Falcone's there, which I never understood why he's there. He's not like he needs to be there. Splitting the drugs into half them going here and half them going there, and you see Batman, but you don't see Batman. You see villains being taken off, like they'll go in a shadow. Then you hear something. That's brilliant. That's mm. phenomenal. You don't see him fully until he smashes a window, he smashes that skylight and brings fucking Falcone up to him. And he's like, I'm Batman. <laughs> That's it. That, that whole scene is brilliant. It is brilliant. Just that like, is. like you just see him, like even when he's having a fight, you see it from Falcone's point of view. So you only see shaky. You see like this cape flying back and through. And it's shaky cam. So you're, yeah. not like, you're not entirely sure what it is. That to me was, was a brilliant introduction. And I don't come at me and say, I don't mind the bat voice. I actually don't mind. I think it works. I thought one of the best things they did, because that, that doesn't age well, let, let's be honest, it doesn't. like Because it, it's not just the gravelly, because he has spot a voice. Let's, there's <laughs> no like, way around I'm it. Batman. It's like, yeah, Wayne? <laughs> <laughs> like, anyone, Bruce Wayne, ever phone calls. So like, is this Batman? <laughs> like, I get that he has to do it. He has to hide his uh, identity. But it's not just that. It's, it, it, there are scenes where it looks like he's, he's fighting the costume to, to speak like yes. that. And... <laughs> that that takes you out of the movie in some scenes, not all scenes. You know, the, I think in Dark Knight, there are one or two times where I'm taken out of the scene because I'm like, I don't know why Christian Bell's struggling to say the lines. It must be that that's like cutting off circulation or something. They, do you know what? They, they do perfectly. If you're going to compare it to George Clooney, there's a George Clooney scene where he's being seduced by... Poison Ivy. By Poison Ivy. And he cannot move his head. And mm. it's so... Once someone's pointed it out to you, it's really funny because his eyes are darting around in panic because he's he cannot move, like genuinely not... Not the character. He cannot move. <laughs> Which is a scene where he falls on the floor in that movie yeah. and he can't get up. <laughs> There's, it, we're all going, stay down, stay down. Just, fucking, just, just let it take you. Um, uh, I've just got a quick question for you. What's worse, bat nips, bat credit card, or rubber lips? <laughs> because I, I still maintain his bat card. Because when he brings it out, it's like, just follow the fucking look. What's the name on the card? Yeah. They're not gonna, it's not going to be Batman. <laughs> That was terrible, wasn't it? it fucking that irritates me so much. I, I did like in the Affleck one, though, how he has the voice changer. Yes, that, that does make That sense. is such an easy fix from, I'm yes. Batman. You know what I mean? Like, it's just such a, you're like, oh, that makes more sense. I, I, I imagine even Nolan went, ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah, that's, done that, yeah, that's pretty cool, that. Um, but Batman's introduction is, is epic. I think it's, it's, it's phenomenal. <laughs> you, know, this, you do, you can, I'm sorry if he's your favourite. 
you know, and I'm certainly, I'm talking across from someone who has a Batman tattoo in front of me, <laughs> but you know, he's like, builds this costume and all this kind of stuff. I'm going to leave my mouth open because after a hard day's fine, I might want to go get a coffee or a, <laughs> or a burger. <laughs> but, but, but no, because when he was going through the planning stage and he was like, he was like, right, talk to me, Alfred. And Alfred was like, so it's going to be a fully rubber suit. And he goes, yeah. He goes, well, maybe you should have, you know, so you can fucking breathe. <laughs> or he was going to be a full mask made with a snorkel. <laughs> Yeah, that would have worked. <laughs> At least then he would have covered his voice up. Yeah. Um, great introduction. It, it's it's fantastic. I really like the Batman. I also like Batman before he gets his actual suit. He's just got balaclava on and he holds Jim Gordon up with a stapler. Yeah, I like that scene. That's really cool. But at the same time, but at the same time, you're trying to build an alliance with someone. Mm. And you do that by putting a gun, but they think it's a gun to the back of it. It's like, I'm a good guy. It's like, well, get your fucking gun off me then, dickhead. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I I think the puzzles, the way it goes together, and the storyline. Now, there's something I so when you're rewatching the film, there's something you always recognise, and I love this. So, shy surprise, Raz Al Ghul has done the same thing that Bruce Wayne's done. He's actually got an alter ego, and it's Ducard who's actually Raz Al Ghul, and he was using Ken Watanabe as a diversion. So he comes at the, the apex of the film, and he's got a plan. But what I really like about it is that he makes it personal because. He, Bruce Wayne's pissed him off so much. It turns out that they've tried to sack a Gotham before, because that's what the League of Shadows does. When something gets too corrupt and too big, they bring it down. And when he gives that explanation, I think that's a really good, powerful speech. It's like, we burnt London to the ground. We uh, filled boats with the plague rats. You know, it's like, they're responsible. When something gets too big, too decadent, they come in and they reset it. They tried economic. And they're basically, they are kind of responsible in a way for the situation that happened where Bruce Wayne's parents were shot. But I like that because it didn't mean... Because every time you watch the fucking Batman film, whoever the villain was, they're the ones that fucking shot his yeah. parents. Whereas this one, they created the situation. It was different. It was better. It was like, and then, but they use a machine, which I don't really understand. I still don't understand it. They use a machine that destroys water. So they use another character, Killian Murphy's, uh, the Scarecrow, Dr. Crane, who's phenomenal, by the way. Yeah. I, I, Crane, to me, is one of my, fa- he made Scarecrow seem amazing to me. Like, I love Care Scarecrow because of what happened afterwards. Yeah. From this film. So I'd I agree, him. I'd agree. So he appeared in the games is what I mean. So he became like a better character. So they use him to, so they use him to supply drugs and everyone in Gotham has kind of been forced for this stuff. But they use this machine, a Wayne's Enterprise machine, and they're sending it specifically on a Wayne machine to the center, which I don't, and this doesn't make any sense. When it gets to the center, apparently they'll win. <laughs> It'll be too much will happen when this machine gets to the center of Gotham yeah. in Wayne Tower. It'll explode everything and they've won, apparently. But what's lucky about that is yeah. that you have a conductor telling you that yes. if, if it hits the central station, yes. it'll cause a train effect. And you're just like, and it's like, thanks, mate. <laughs> but do you know what? Both, all three of the movies have that character who um, stands out because they don't speak normal. They they speak like they're in a comic book movie, like mm. you know. And and that uh, in Batman Begins, the second he comes into it, the old guy is like. It's heading for the main terminal. If oh, it no. gets here, like, and you're like, don't tell us like the story. Like, the film should do that. <laughs> like, sure, <laughs> but this is Nolan, isn't it? The kind of the high tech machine. Probably most uh, linked into this is is the third film. But yeah, this um, normally I, I I don't know a lot of the time in the films. You know, like <laughs> it would go like this: Bruce Wayne's dad just before you know Thomas and Martha just before they go to the theater that day. You know, he's like, "What are you doing, Dad? Oh, I'm just uh, I'm just looking over the schematics for a machine that will uh, evaporate water in a mm-hmm. you know which we'd use in 
uh, wartime to kind of <laughs> deplete the en- the enemy from their hydration supplies. <laughs> and then Bruce Wayne goes, "Aren't you a doctor?" And he goes, "Shut up!" <laughs> yeah. But you know, what I mean? it plants it, it, it would plant yeah. the seed real early on. So which machine, it yeah, this is like they get half through the movie and then they're like, "Oh, oh shit!" <laughs> if this were to happen, <laughs> that would be yeah. bad. Oh, it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very much like halfway through the movie they introduce that, and then it becomes a pivotal character towards the end of it. And the, and the ultimate dilemma. So I was watching it and I was like, oh, fuck. But by the third movie, they kind of address that real early on. Yeah. Yeah. They've, um, but they get the introduction of fear. So Batman's overcome his, sorry, Bruce Wayne's overcome his fear because he was, and I didn't get this when I first watched it. He gets fear gas on him by minor when he's learning because he has to fight his fears. He's trying to find, he's trying to hide with ninjas whilst, uh, Early, uh, Razor Ghoul's trying to find him. Yeah, he's off his tits, mate. That's he's what he's doing. Tits. But late, and I never made the connection. Like when Razor Ghoul showed up the first time, I, was like, I genuinely was surprised. I was like, oh, I genuinely thought he was just a mentor. Uh, but it does, it does make sense in that mm. they're there. And what Nolan does throughout the, these three films, there are shocks and surprises, but they're never actually, they're never actually given as shocks or surprises, especially in the third film when, you know, well, I don't want to get too far ahead, but it's never a surprise. The paperwork's there. The trail's there. You just got to follow it. And mm. I really enjoyed Batman Begins, you know, when I came out of it. So I think everything worked. I love the ending, which Nolan said at the time, it wasn't setting up a sequel. It was a nod to Batman 98. It was like, there's a guy who takes after you, theatrical, wears face paint, robs banks, leaves a calling card, Joker mm. card. It was just like, oh, what are we getting in? What are we getting into, mate? We're getting into something good because rewatching it this week, Batman Begins has gone up. A lot in my estimate. From that film that I thought was okay to very good. Yeah. Enjoyed it. Different style of... It was really nice not having to watch 60 other things to enjoy a film. He's like, this is Batman. This is his story. Never actually saw him train. And it does answer the question why a middle-aged man would dress up as a bat to fight crime. That That is the hardest thing to do. That is that a very film. hard thing to do. I think all right, it's a great movie. It's definitely worth a rewatch. If you haven't seen it in a while, do yourself a favour. Go back. 2005, Batman Begins. There's so much. I, I think you're right, though. A lot of the things you talked about, I completely agree. Cillian Murphy is so entertaining. And I think the visual effects within this movie as well, oh, whenever yeah. he dons the the mask, yes, which is what he uses to turn his patients insane. Like mm. That's so cool. And we were yeah. talking off here, weren't we, that there's even a nod to Zaz at the beginning of this movie. Yes. You yes. Know, which is now later on and after playing the game, because again, I didn't read the comics growing up but um, or watch much of the animated series, but after playing the games and watching Gotham and stuff, it's like, oh, I obviously never n- clocked that in 2005. And I imagine, and this is the best thing, Imagine the diehard comic book readers, those that were reading comic books when it was uncool to read it, mm. you know, or, or, that must've been such a pl- like pleasing nod to say, cool. Um, Rutger Howard's also in this movie. He is, but but when you see him, you know, obviously he's going to be the bad guy because it's Rutger Howard. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, and he's wearing a suit <laughs> yeah. and he's around the boardroom. <laughs> yeah. That's a bit weird, isn't it? There's not like they've just injected this other element to have like a bad business villain, but they do it's, that with Mendelssohn in the fucking third one. It's just like, yeah. why? No reason. <laughs> mate, I love the big fuck you at the end of this movie with uh, Lucius Fox. Like, Didn't you get the moment? Yeah, I just, mate, Morgan Freeman rocks in this movie. Everyone does that. I think this film, everyone brought their A game to this film. Um, there's a fucking killing, there's a killing line though, where at the end when he's having a party and he's trying to separate the he's trying to save people. So he acts like a drunk asshole to offend someone, yeah. which is really cool, different. You know, it's not like everyone get out, I've got to save the day. He's just like, get out of my house. Yeah, you're freeloaders, you've yeah. had your drinks, go home. I'm not joking. I it's s- it's cringy to watch that scene. And it's like, I see the apple has fallen from a tree. You're like, oh my God, that's fucking Batman. It's like, you bang your dick. Yeah. 
Yeah. But, but then actually following that though, I do love the scene when um when the log's on fire and Michael Caine's yes. like, What's the point in all them push ups if you can't move a log? And it's Christian Bell's look at that point as if to say, Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> like I've bicep killed a man off a cliff. Mate, I'm gonna fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not yeah. gonna let it go. <laughs> Yeah. But going back to the man himself, Christy Bell, I think he's a, he's a home run. I mean, if you if Christy Bell wasn't on the radar as like one of the best actors in the world, I think he is. This certainly yeah. put him in there, and and of course this oh, is this is at that moment where he was transitioning between body weight, so he's fucking jacked in he's this. Just just on the he's just on the, the mechanist. Yeah. So he in the space of like six months, he had to pile that pile on. So he apparently piled on too much, and by shooting had to lose some weight again. And then he did Rescue Dawn where he played a, 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 a prisoner of war. So he had to lose all the weight again. And yeah, then the, he had to put it back on. And then he had to lose again between the third one because he did the fire, didn't he? Where he played, was it Heron Addict? Is that guy? Yeah, well, he played the, yeah. Um, he played the trainer for the trainer, Mark yeah. Wahlberg, didn't he? Which he won the Oscar for that one, didn't it? That's think, what he wore. I think he's, Oscar. yeah. But that, I mean, Christian Bell's awesome in this movie. He is a great Bruce Wayne. And because where is all the others, you're like, Good Bruce Wayne, okay, Batman. Great Batman, okay, Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne, um, Christian Bale does hit both of his home runs, I reckon. So what I love about Batman Begins is, Batman Begins is a Bruce Wayne story about how he becomes Batman. The Dark Knight, which we'll get into, is a Batman story. And The Dark Knight Rises, when you're watching it this week, is actually a Bruce Wayne story. So there's mm. like, everyone gets equal screen time. <laughs> I, obviously, American Psycho was before this. Yes. And I can't remember if it was American Psycho or this, where he did all the press in American accent because he didn't want people... Oh, don't he, know. he wanted people to think he was American so that they wouldn't question his accent. They wouldn't focus on the accent when they saw oh. the movie. I've seen it was Batman. I think it was Batman, all the press, because I don't think there was much press for American Psycho. No, no, American Psycho came out of kind of nowhere, didn't it? Yeah, and I think um, I think for this he did all the press because he did. Actually, if you got those films wrong, most like oh, you like put it on. He's like, Ooh, what's Batman doing? What's Batman doing? <laughs> Batman, no, no. <laughs> Why is he killing the Joker with an axe? <laughs> Do it. <laughs> <laughs> but it, yeah, I think he did all the press in the American accent because he didn't want people to dwell on that. Um, great, great movie. A and great and launching part. If you're talking, if you're talking about great trilogies in, in comic books, mm. films especially, it answers a question. It sets up a universe. And you say this all the time. You've done the hard work in the first one. Yeah. What are you going to do in the second one? It's kind of like an open ballpark. And and also the, my final point in this as well is um, th this is the only of the one of the three where you see the real um, grime of Gotham in in a kind of centralized location yeah. in the dunes, which I I think is really cool because in the second and third movie. You get the impression that Batman's kind of cleared up town. Especially the third one, and it's supposed to be like less crime. But you know the second one, because the argument is, is, so the second one, my tagline for it is, how a bat defeats a clown. <laughs> so, but what you've got is, is the, the lines in this are all self-fulfilling. Mm. So starting off the bat, Harvey Dent says, you die the hero, you live long enough to become the villain. Well, yeah. what happens to his character is the darkest before the before the dawn. So the, the light's coming, but the worst part's coming now, the Joker. Yeah. You know, everything's self-fulfilling, prophesizing. Something's going to happen. You know, I'm not a hero. Batman can be anyone. Well, that, at the end, that's the point. It's like, who is the Batman? We need to find the Batman now because he's done wrong. So everything's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Every time someone says stuff, every line in this is like well-structured. You're like, what's it mean? I and mean, that's the Nolan bit, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Nolan's like, you, you need to watch this movie twice before you're going to get everything that I'm telling you. Um, oh my God. I, what I like as well is Razor Ghul, someone who doesn't read the comics or, or wasn't really familiar with it. You know, Batman Begins, and, and, and of course, knowing the, the movies from like the, the 90s and 89, yeah. Um, you know, straight away you think, and even even the '66 stuff and uh, the '60s TV show, you you would assume if you were going to do a Batman movie, 
it's Two Faces, Penguin, it's Joker, it's yeah. Riddler. It's going to be one of them four that you're going to play in it. So Razor Ghul was quite an interesting character to have as your main villain. And realistic him up so he's not an immortal. He's someone who, like, you get the idea it's been passed along, mm. like the League of Shadows is, is this ancient thing forever. Like, the Scarecrow isn't, you know, got fear needles. He's a psychiatrist who uses fear, you know, in, basically what I, the realism and the reason that makes sense is like, how do you do the joke in a realistic world? Well, well, here's how you do it. In 2008, a movie came out that changed the landscape of cinema. It's something that we've used all the time. Some people cringe at that stage, but it really did for, for reasons I'm going to get onto. Standing in at two hours and 32 minutes, scoring nine out of 10 on IMDb, 94% on Rotten Tomatoes, 94% on Google reviews, and is fan adored as one of the most um, beloved comic book adaptations of all time. Of course, starring Christian Bell and Heath Ledger as the Joker. Malcolm came returning, Gary Oldman, Aaron Eckhart and Maggie Gyllenhaal stepping in for Katie Holmes. Mm. I don't know the backstory as to why she dropped out. Did Tom Cruise have anything to do with it? I think she was going through a divorce at the time. She just didn't want to do it. So Maggie Gyllenhaal stepping in, who is rocks in this movie. I really like Maggie Gyllenhaal. Mm. Um, a year or you, you get mm. <laughs> a year, nine months, depending on where you read after the events of Batman begins. So to be honest, didn't take him long to clean up Gotham. No, it didn't, mate. It, it, it turns out that if you get rid of, if you tie your crime boss to a to a light, <laughs> you get shit done. <laughs> I'm gonna um yeah, but there's loads more crime bosses all of a sudden that yeah, start coming is, out. Yeah. I'm gonna give a kind of overview of what this is before we break down iconic scenes and start talking into it. But Batman continues to clear the streets of Gotham, going after the mob and supporting Jim Gordon on a crusade to end crime and corruption. His oldest friend and first love, Rachel, is happy alongside Harvey Dent, a new district attorney and Batman pro supporter who's challenging the system and exposing the corrupt and dirty cops and government officials. The bad guys are under pressure, scared to meet at night and victims themselves to a string of robberies. Suddenly, they're approached by the Joker, a new villain without rules, an agent of chaos who uh, wreaks havoc across the city, drawing Batman out of the shadows and into the daylight. If you summing up in one scene which we're going to talk about in a moment the, the Joker's kind of main introduction scene I just fucking love how he strolls in in that scene and he's like I'll get rid of him for you yeah. I'll, I'll do the thing that none of you can do because you you haven't got the balls to do it. It, it do you know what it's one of the most famous but it's one of the best scenes ever it's, it's, it's a character that and this is my problem going forward in the future I don't want to see the Joker in too many films because I like the Joker not the biggest gap between Jokers was 1989 to Heath Ledger on the big screen. Mm. And it worked in its favour because people were excited. Now every other film's going to have the Joker in them, it's not going to be exciting for me. However, the character walks in there and tells a number of mob bosses that basically, I stole your money. <laughs> Fuck yeah. you. If you want me to kill the bat, give me more. I've got very expensive suit. You should know. You paid for it. Mate, <laughs> he may have just slapped his balls on the table. <laughs> just, and then fucking... I'm going to do a magic trick. Kills a man as well. Has the audacity, mate, to sit down. Dude, I watched it. I think I've told this before. I was lucky enough to be in New York when this film came out. And so I went to cinema. It was really late. I was like, it was the only show we could get. And, um, I, you know, nervous. It's city I don't know. Mm. Knowing I was going to get out of the cinema at one, two in the morning and have to get back to the hotel and everything. The cinema was just electric. Obviously, we have a code of silence here in the UK where we, you know, no one really speaks. So if you do, you even rustle a sweet packet, you get daggers. Except for Spider-Man, the latest yeah. one, mate, when certain things happened, my cinema Cheers. erupted, yeah. fucking went mental. I've had that a few times in films. You know, I think Endgame, I got the same, you know, with uh, On Your Left, all that kind of stuff. I mean, but this was the first time I've been in the cinema and particularly it started around about that scene with the pencil. 
where the, literally people were stood up in the aisles, like cheering. We're like, it was to the point where when I came back in the UK, you kind of missed it. Yeah, I had to go back and rewatch it. They came out like two weeks later in the UK. I had to go back and kind of fill in the gaps of what people were saying <laughs> because of all the screaming. But if, as you know, I cannot imagine the weight of, okay, you've got a movie about such a beloved character. You're going to introduce the arch enemy of that character, the nemesis. The number one villain. The number, oh, one, the number villain. one villain probably not transcends comic books. He's yeah. the number one villain. That was previously played by Jack Nicholson and, and in, in a renowned cult classic, 89, much loved. You know, the the stakes cannot be higher into this. It, yeah. And I think Heath Ledger's an awesome, was, was the, the right choice, it, it, you know, an awesome choice. But hats off to the aesthetics and the makeup design of this. Because I remember the first time I saw the Joker... There was a lot of um, promo of blurred images or yes. he was holding the, the card, which was saw, in focus. Or you saw him defrosted through the frosted through glass. Through the frosted glass and why so serious. It was Empire Magazine had the had a still of him in the prison cell, um, you know, when his blazer's off and just yeah. staring at the camera just before he kind of claps it, Jim Gordon's promotion. And that was the first time I saw it. And I remember, you know, fucking all the way back then being like, oh my God. I, I worked at the time in a, in a like, like weekend job in a cafe, like coffee shop. Yeah. And there's a lad there that I worked with. And for ages, it was, I think it was the most hyped up I'd been to see a movie ever. Now I get it like with, you know, I'm like, oh my God, like, you know. Oh my God, the, is that someone's voice in that trailer? Oh my yeah, God. Yeah, <laughs> Like, oh my God, yeah, Patrick Stewart's back out. X-Men are on the way. Oh my God. You know, and now we live in a, in a world where that's normal. This is the first time I think I remember I got caught up in. I think it was. Because there was also like all the website shit. Did you ever do all that? I, I, I didn't because it I was at Empire Magazine, they did it for you. They were like, oh, this is what you were seeing on the, when you did it. And but then obviously the tragic news happened. Yeah. And then they changed it and they changed all the stuff to a fake uh, political campaign for, for Harvey, Harvey Dent. Dent. And that also really worked as well. Yeah. So everything they did for this film was gold. The marketing was so good. Yeah. He led a tragic of the past on the 22nd of January, 2008. I remember that because it's my birthday. Oh, I didn't know that. Dad. I knew it was your birthday. I didn't know that's when he died. Yeah. Yeah. He died then. Um, but yeah, so I think that character and the look, you know, the Chelsea smile, the kind of the... Um, so different. Yeah. So different, but at the same time, you wondered why it never been done before. And th this goes back to what you were saying a moment ago about Scarecrow and Razal Ghul. Like, this is a guy who puts his own makeup on. Yeah, so... It, why it wasn't be, that he yeah. fell in a vat of acid and he, <laughs> and he turned his skin that way and, you know, whatever. And that's, that's perfectly summed up. And I'm sure we're about to talk about quite possibly the best beginning of any film of all time, like the best 10 minutes you'll ever see. But they, when they're talking, he goes, he wears where he wears walk point, and they goes why, and the guy goes, mm. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> He's like to shit people up, yeah. I imagine, because yeah. if someone's would... shooting at you, who's, who's going to be scared of the guy dressed as a clown? Yes, I think also it's to hide his identity to somewhat as well. This is another thing. The Joker gets no backstory in this, which is <sighs> fucking awesome. And it's the attention That's to not detail. True. He's got lint in his pockets. Mate. That's true. And a, and a potato peeler. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Didn't but, see it till this time yeah. round. That's so why I was like, oh, it's a potato. Because the guy holds it, doesn't he? The guy taking stuff out. Yeah. Kind of look, kind of swivels it. Like, why? Could hey. be an apple peeler. We don't know what the Joker's diet is. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe <But> the, lint. <laughs> but um, it's the attention to detail, the makeup on his hands. You know, in the interrogation scenes, that you realise this this is a guy that puts that on himself. Um, when he when he first gets his head slammed in the interrogation scene, when he comes up, it's missing from his. Forehead, yeah, that's where he's hit it, and I didn't notice shit like that. But it's funny you should mention the on one finger; it's absolutely caked because the idea is that he's quickly done it. Yeah, because then he's going to go out and blow shit up. Awesome, awesome character. We could probably spend the whole. I mean, and we have we've done a Joker episode where I think we all kind of praise, particularly this one and the Mark Hamill um, yes. version of the Joker. But this in cinema and on the big screen, 
Um, it, it's the selling point. I know it's a Batman movie, but I'm going in it to watch Heath Ledger. You are. Um, just a little bit about this, where I said um, we're going to change the landscape of films. The Dark Knight won two Oscars. One, obviously, for Heath Ledger, post uh, humorous awards um, for Best Supporting Actor, and it also won for sound editing. It has an awesome score. All three movies have an awesome score to they these. They do. Um, Particularly this one, the, the Joker score is a is a one note suspension that just escalates and escalates oh and God, builds it's, and builds. It's, it's, as, it's terrifying it's, as part of the film. Yeah, it's a tension building. Um, I, there's a story about when the composer, I can't remember his name, the Atlantic composer. Um, from the Joker, from the Joker. No, no, she, she that's the new one, isn't it? Um, I'll get their names in a minute. But the original um, for Dark Knight and Nolan heard it on the playing going over to America it, like they sent in the score and it was like oh, it's one note but I just hold it for like two minutes and it swells and builds and Chris Nolan was like shit the plane's going to crash he was like that into the music that he <laughs> oh felt God. like that sinister <clears throat> I know quickly going back to Batman Begins that Hans Zimmer and another composer did the music and they did it separately so like one of the composers only did it when Bruce Wayne was on mm. and the other one did for action scenes and Batman the idea was that even the music was different like the idea that Batman and Bruce Wayne are completely different identities like next That's level cool. shit yeah and by the time the third one came on apparently the, this composer said no I'm not doing it because mm. by this stage they'd done Inception and Hans Zimmer and basically uh, no one had morphed into like one being because they were so in tune with each other so he's like I'm not part of it so I'll leave with the 89 I think he's still the iconic score for Batman which they they kind of threaded into the Ben Affleck ones every now and again you got a kind of few yeah. notes from the Danny Elfman score yeah, which, which worked um, but yeah this won two Oscars but it was actually nominated for eight best picture uh, no, so this is... That's what I mean. Yeah, so we, uh, with that year, the best picture movies were Slumdog, Millionaire, um, Benjamin Button, Milk, Frost vs. Nixon, and The Reader. So they were the I'm five. I'm just saying that The Dark Knight is better than the films on that list that I've seen. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to get it because I hate the Oscars anyway, but I certainly probably would put it above three of their movies. So I, so this was like this was the it was like the first comic book film that could that should win an Oscar. They were like, oh my god, it's so good, it transcends comic books. Comic books isn't a nerdy film anymore now. Mm. It's for widescreen. It's for mainstream. It can be anything you want. It was this film. It was everywhere. People were talking about it. You couldn't get away from it. Everyone had seen it. Everyone had loved it. When are you going to see it? When? How many times have you seen it? Those were the questions. Mm. It wasn't, did you like it? It was, how many times have you seen it now? Three opening day, come at me. <laughs> <laughs> but it would, it changed the landscape of the Academy Awards. So now to the point where they can nominate up to 10 because of the backlash that how could a movie that grossed a billion um, that had eight nominations, uh, including Best Supporting Actor, not be considered for Best Picture? And it was almost, it's that controversy that, that follows the Oscars. Lo and fucking behold, this year there is more controversy that off air have you heard this that off air so you know every year they don't show every Oscar on TV yeah so the off air ones this year production design right. which is fucking integral to like convincing you are in the world you're watching well, I don't understand this that would also come up in even hosting the Oscars you need an element of yeah, <laughs> yeah. product design to host the Oscars yeah. so you would have thought that would have fucking made it and then the uh, score are you kidding you can believe that yeah. so the good ones yeah. right okay the ones, I mean, the ones I'm slightly more interested in because those are the films that always make me interested in films I haven't seen. Best film I've usually seen, mm. a majority of them. But score always for these films, you oh, I might watch that. Yeah. Based on the score. It's fucking odd, isn't it? That's if you was John Williams, you'd just be like, fuck you. <laughs> you know what I'm I mean? Like, I'm the most accredited Oscar winner of all time and you're snubbing my category. They need 20 minutes so fucking Eminem can come out and fucking do whatever he did that time at the Oscars. John Williams coming uh, doing the Obi-Wan Kenobi score. First time he's doing the small screen. I don't know. I don't know why you're so smug about it. Like we had a bet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just throwing trivia out there, James. Well done, mate. Um, 
No, it is worth saying because uh, uh, there are probably some uh, diehards out there. Um, it is worth saying in 2008, Iron Man uh, was also nominated for effects, Hellboy 2 for makeup and wanted for sound editing. They also got Oscar noms that year. But I mean, come on, Dark Knight, eight Oscar noms. It was, it was, it was truly magical. And, but, so you know the story. The, mm. the story has been done time and time again, taking taking the aspects from the best storylines mm. from the comic book series, The Long Good Night, you know, The Last Halloween. I might have got them the wrong way around, actually. Anyway, a famous story about the White Knight. The White Knight is actually the focus of the story. It's not Batman. It's Batman can't do what he does because he's a vigilante. So he's the creation of Harvey Dent, the good guy, mm. the White Knight, the guy who does it legally. He's good. Batman started it, but now it needs someone to take up the mantle. <clears throat> this guy's a saviour to Gotham, but also to Bruce Wayne. Because if, if he does it, he doesn't have to be Batman anymore and he can he be gets with Rachel. Him, and he gets Rachel. Yeah. However, Rachel, she's a, she's attracted to the, the White Knight because everyone is. They're caught in his wake, mate. He's the best thing. Because he's Aaron Eckhart. He's, Aaron he's got, Eckhart. you know, he's just he's got, the best chin in the business. He's got America's chin. That's what it is. <laughs> Chris Evans' ass <laughs> and Aaron Eckhart's chin. There you go. It's what you need. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal's eyes. I'm putting it out there. They're like, they're, it's like looking into Mr. my America soul. Right now. <laughs> Hulk Hogan's hairline. <laughs> Um, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying. And then again, those foreshadowing moments, mate. I'm going to say that Michael came to me two standout moments, and they are something that kind of like when I was thinking about how awesome this film was and my favourite moments, they kept coming to me because his scene when you first see the Joker, the infamous the, forgot his line scene, the infamous forgot his line scene, because he was that nervous because he'd never seen Heath Ledger in a full makeup before. He's like, oh my god, it shook him. He didn't know what he was doing. And then the story which explains what's happening. He says. You're like, like Batman famously doesn't take the Joker until two uh, until the final act seriously. He says he's like, I'm going to treat him like this. You know, I'm going to do what I normally do, and he has to basically be sat down and scolded. And he says, "You don't understand this, Matt." So Batman's like, "Well, where's he come from?" It's like he came from you. Mm. It was like in their desperation, the criminals didn't know how to deal with you, so they turned to a man they do not understand. Basically, they let him, whatever they wanted, do what they want. And hence, you are now responsible for what has happened. It's basically like, Bowen, you fucked up yeah. because you went at them full force. You went after their money. They turned to an absolute psychopath that they didn't understand, gave him everything he wanted because they needed you gone. And then he says, and he tells that brilliant story, mate, and that fantastic story. It's like when I was in India. Was Africa, it, wasn't it? Yeah, oh, it was Africa. With the stones, like, yeah. They were stealing stones. And then it just turns out he just did it because. And you get, you get an escalation as well because what I love about the joke is he starts off with a plan. Then towards the end of it, he's kidnapped like a crew, which is one of my favourite bits. There's a newscaster reading something upside down. It's like, ha. And you just hear him laughing in the background like he's lost it. He's like, he just wants to do everything. Phenomenal. Adding to that, an absolutely great storyline where you've now got the creation of a new villain, Two-Face, the White Knight's fallen. Mm. He's literally scarred. Kind of a missed point here because Two-Face is famous in the comic books for literally being mental, literally having a very good side and very bad side. Two personalities into one. Bipolar. Const- bipolar, constantly waging. Whereas in this one, that's not there. But I kind of, you forgive it because it doesn't have the time to truly develop that story. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, there's too much in the film going on. If you added like this psychological thriller, which is what you would think they were going with, you don't have the time. But then you've got him going around basically not being the white knight anymore, going around doing villainous things, being a vigilante, doing the one thing that Batman doesn't do, which is kill people. Mm. So he's for justice, but now he's ultimate justice. Let chance, let fate decide, because literally his life was decided. He had a 50-50 shot of being saved. He won. It's so good now, writing. So it's- now everyone gets a 50-50 shot. I just made, it's fucking next level. It's so good, the writing of this movie. And... I think you're right. Everything you're saying in there, I 100% agree with. I'm just going to bring us back in with some uh, Sorry, some mate. bits about... No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, we're going to get to some key scenes. But um, 
It's also worth saying that in this movie, Cillian Murphy returns as a scarecrow for kind of a bit part of the beginning of the Doesn't movie. Doesn't matter. It's the first person to do it, wasn't he? And then he was the first person to be in three of them. Yeah. So um, you've also, I mean, if you you can't get Rutger Hauer again, so you need 80s villain Eric Roberts to yeah, come into do. this movie. He's so tan in it. He's literally just come from holiday. Yeah, and you've got Nesta uh, Cobinelli in it, who um, is America's eyeliner, let's yeah. be honest. Oh, good, yes. Every, every, t- every time I see him, whether he's in Lost, Bates Motel, anything I see him in, I'm like, like is that eyeliner he's wearing? Because yes. they are luscious eyelashes. Yeah, if I not. never thought of it like that. Yeah, he's America's eyelashes. <laughs> um, and and the only if there's a weak link, I'm gonna have to say it's Chin Han as Lao because there is a bit where Batman has to leave Gotham. <sighs> I the only gonna, time he leaves Gotham, I'm gonna say that in this in this near perfect film, there are 20 minutes you could cut out of this film. And I wouldn't and, care. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> so. yeah, and and I get it, and I like the kind of the bit again where they have to kind of cover up why Bruce Wayne left the city at the same time. It's because he took all of the um, Russian a, ballet dancers out a of dick, a yacht in a dick bag move. Yeah, yeah. so I kind of like that, you know, bit, but that that whole last scene. And maybe some of the effects when it comes to the sonar bit at the end. But again, yeah. going back, we'll get to this in a moment. I do like how Batman has to bend the rules to capture someone that is uncatchable, you know, yeah. which really props up the Joker as a fucking brilliant villain. And they also do this thing where they always mirror, they always mirror what's happening in real life, these films. And obviously, personal invasion, tapping phone calls was huge at the time. So Nolan, Nolan always like wears his heart on his sleeve in his films. He doesn't hide him. There was an economic crisis during the, you know, the third film. I don't know if you noticed that because of the highly element of economics that was in it. It was, it was so much that Adam McKay nearly directed it. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. So going into this film, mate, I already knew this was going to be the best. I was actually worried if, if this is a big question. When we decided we were doing this, the questions were: Does Batman begin to get better? Does the Dark Knight Rises make sense? Mm. And is it still? Can you still argue it's the best? Yeah. Because to me, it was my best. I know that you Dark Knight, not Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, Dark Knight to me was the best. I, I just, there was no, I've always been a bit worried about going back to this film, genuinely, because I'm really worried that it doesn't hold up to how it holds up in my imagination. And then there's a scene where he's in Hong Kong and to be honest, I was thinking, maybe it's not as good as I remember. However, literally, because it's so boring, they do spice in the scene of the Joker <laughs> killing and torturing people. <laughs> so. Yeah. The, so while it was about the 89 movie was you straight away got uh, Batman. That's yeah. what you paid money to see. Here we are in 2008. I want to see the Joker opening scene. Not into the 66. So the mask that he's wearing in that is is a mask that Cesar Marrero wore in an episode of the 66 Batman. or well, not the movie, sorry, the TV series in the 60s. Um, and that whole scene. And again, the voice actors in that scene, you know, certainly the, there's obviously a physical presence, but they, yeah. they would have dubbed the voices afterwards because of the mask. They are all like over the top comic book, kind of like, yes. you know, fodder, comic book fodder. Like, I hear he wears a mask. Who do you hear that bang shoots him? All that kind of thing. It's great. It's brilliant. The whole, um, you know, the, the man without a plan, having actually pretty good plan to steal all this money from uh, the mob bosses. Shot in a uh, disused bank, uh, disused post office, that whole scene. Yeah, he's kind of got that feel of it. Yeah, nice. That William, whole, William Fincher. William Fincher, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. You don't know who you're stealing off. <laughs> Criminals used to mean something in this town. Yeah. Oh, and the reveal of Heath Ledger, we're straight in. There's the Joker. All of his scenes. Christian Bell returning. We've done the, we've done the year one stuff. We can yep. get straight into it. We've done the, the, the broodiness. Um, I like. I still like the the angle with Rachel. I think it's a you know great to bring Maggie Gyllenhaal into the movie. Just saying though that this is the part where I don't understand it. You need a, like so we they said in the marketing it's like he's back to being a good detective. Mm. And there's a scene where he reforms a bullet 
so he can get a fingerprint yeah. off it. I that to me is still bollocks. That that is apart from the. I mean, I, I'm willing to give it a go because we, we're living in a world where someone's dressed as a bat and someone's dressed as a yeah. clown. So, but it's just a bit where after he shoots like five blocks, he just looks at one and goes, "Yeah, that's the one." Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Though, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that's the bit where I kind of lose that scene. Um, but you know, you still got the kind of the smug billionaire bits when he buys the uh, the restaurant and he kind of pulls up the table next to. Um, yeah, I own it. Yeah. yeah. Also, you might notice a cameo from Heath Ledger to the table to the right in that scene. No. Yeah, he's there without makeup on, obviously. But yeah, he's the he's on the table next to it. Oh. You only see it, you have to pause it to see it, but he's there. Fucking um, oh, you know, that's amazing. You've also, I, I like all the courtroom stuff, you know, when... Uh, oh, yeah, he's like, you try to kill an official, you buy American. <laughs> buy American. And, and he's like, they arrest him. It's like, I ain't finished yet. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's fucking it's, cheered. You, you just, you know, it is, it is Captain America of the legal world, isn't it? Yeah. Like that chin just leading the court case. <laughs> he just needs the chin. That's why he's got elected on that chin. I also like the, the, the challenging conversation between... Uh, Gary Oldman and Eckhart straight after that scene. Oh, Dave, God, if you're talking Dave, about uh, like, like, uh, yeah. what's it called? Uh, connection, not connection. The chemistry. chemistry. There, there's a scene where all three of them are on a roof. Yeah. And um, I love the fact that he, uh, fucking Gordon, oh. Gordon comes out with his gun drawn, yeah. which I never noticed before because he doesn't know who's done the, is it, is it a trap? Yeah. So he comes out, he lives in Gotham, it might be a trap. And they just have a scene about who's corrupt or not. And then Batman's just like, yeah, I'll get him. <laughs> It, it is that and it mirrors obviously the, the climax of the movie yeah. where you're going to get them three together again beautifully mirrored later on in the film like two sides of that character <gasps> the good side and then the bad side yeah. James it just layers and layers of this movie which make it so great but I do like the office scene when he's like I trust you I trust you you know and, and Dent's like not really paying attention when he's reading the notes that he's got since he's been out of office and you know, he's like, I hear good things about you. And he's like, well, I hear things about you too. And they had a nickname for me and all that kind of bants, mate. Mm. Bants back and forth. He's Obviously, the the, uh, the uh, Wayne Manor doesn't exist in this. This is all, this is penthouse Wayne, yeah. which plays its <sighs> favour then later on when it comes to Joker interrupting the house. Mate, the, the, can, the I party. Just, can I just say, we were talking about, we loved our Batman being a dick. There's no bigger, no one would ever think he's Batman when he goes into a panic room and then he closes the door on yeah. two people because they'd be like, what? An, he's, you'd never think he's Batman. I don't know. I might be I might be going, hold on, he just fucked off and Batman's just appeared. No, I would like, he runs away cowardly and yeah. you just be like, you dick. <laughs> it's like Clark Kent running to a telephone box, isn't it? Yeah. To come out dressed as a, as a Superman. But I, bet, I guess that bit doesn't age well. But then another aspect of the joke you love that, he's got different multiple stories for how he got his scars because yeah. he doesn't care. You know, he's playing different stories or... And the, the thing that he doesn't have a plan, and everyone says he doesn't act, despite the fact we know he's got a plan. He's consistently got a plan. The only times he doesn't have a plan is, you know, towards the end, when he becomes quite manic because he's enjoying himself. He's having so much fun. Everything comes a bit... But I really like... And this is a dynamic that you didn't get in 1989. You didn't get in the Suicide Squad. You got it in the animated series, is for the Joker, the Joker to, if the, for the Joker to win, Batman would have to kill him. Mm. So he'll never win, but Batman will never win either. They are locked in an internal struggle for, to, because that's what the Joker wants. And I, I've always said it, my favourite villain, because he's the complete opposite. He's in the chaos. Batman's for order and justice. The Joker wants to do. You know, Batman doesn't mm. want to exist. He has to exist. He exists because the Joker exists. And you've got this great, and I think this film just nails it perfectly, like the equation. It's like the Joker doesn't care if anyone blows up, but if Batman were to kill him, that would make him the happiest. Like mm. if that's these final words of the film. It's like, we're going to do this forever. As he's swinging upside down, 
laughing his ass off. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Which, that, and that scene is also a, a bit of a nod to the Jack Nicholson yeah. uh, end of that movie. <clears throat> and um, and he's really upsetting as well because you realise obviously they won't because yeah. shortly after this, obviously Heath Ledger passed away. Yeah, it's fucking horrible. Isn't it? Yeah, it's a shame because I was, I, I always wish that in the third film, they would go back to Wayne Manor, the new Wayne Manor, um, which is actually Walton Hall, which is about an hour away from where we live. Yeah, no. Um, the the, uh, the there would be a sc- screen on in the background which, which was linked to the Joker's cell. Yeah, and I always thought that'd be such a fucking good nod that even now, eight years later, because you couldn't have him escaped, you couldn't have him on the run because you yeah. need that film. But if you had that, Batman was just keeping an eye on him even even now. Um, I think that I thought that would have been a great nod, you know, to um, there would have been ha 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 written all over the walls or something like that in in his cell, but. The whole film, I mean, it, it 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 plays out. Every scene kind of connects you to, and the rewatchability of this movie is that you are like, oh, and this this is coming up, this is coming, up. and you forget how many big set pieces this film has, from blowing up hospitals to, um, obviously the uh, the interrogation scene, the long, um, and Nolan is brilliant at this of doing close uh, dialogue scenes between two characters, infamous in this, in the middle of it, you get the heat scene, you get Robert De Niro and Al Pacino, but this time Batman and the Joker squaring off in an interrogation room. But that's offset by a huge car chase sequence that uses, you know, um, IMAX cameras on vehicles, which reading the trivia around this, there was at the time, there was only four in the world and they smashed one up during the scene. After this film, he invited people around to show the, the, because he's a really big fan of this type of film, isn't he? Like mm. that he's actually made on. And he invited like directors around to be like, this is what we could do. We need to save this. We all need to start doing this. IMAX cinema. Yeah. And it, look at it now. And, you know, you, you've got that mix of, you know, live action stunt work, um, as well as, you know, the, um, the, the puppetry. I don't know if you've ever seen the, the, the scenes of the underground bit when, um, obviously the Batmobile kind of jumps over cars and shit like that. It was all done with military figures and stuff. Yeah. It's really, it kind of takes you out of, when you see too much of the movie making of it, it kind of takes you out of the film, but, um, all that kind of stuff. You've got the two boats when he's trying to blow one of them up. You've got the whole... Uh, Fucking Tiny Lister. I love Tiny... Is it David? No, Zeus. it's Tiny Lister. Old Zeus from Zeus, the Zeus, yeah. The rest of, that was Hulk Hogan's fucking... Hulk yeah. Hogan gets two name drops this week. Yeah, he does. Um, you've, you've got... Uh, what's his We're name We're talking about Batman. Of course Hulk Hogan's going to come <laughs> on, naturally. Michael J. White. I still don't know how he dies. I, I don't know. I think he breaks his neck, maybe. He gets... There's clearly know. a scene cut there yeah. to make it a 12. There's clearly something that... Um, because the the movie is it's it, I'm surprised I mean it's I know it's quite violent yeah. yeah it's violent but it's also terror it's it's yeah. fear inducing well, this is literally you know continuing the fear the idea is it's no longer Batman's fear it's Gotham's fear yeah um what I love about it is the Joker as well the actual character is the idea that have have you seen this they did analysis on his face and his cuts are getting infected more and more as the film goes on which is why at the end they look completely different to how they started. Um, and I really like that. Like he doesn't look after himself and that mm. type of thing. Just all these different layers and seeing him without makeup, just hiding in plain sight. Oh my God, there's so much to love about this film. Mm. Like the fact that you can tell he puts on a fresh coat for the end of the film because it's because it's his final showdown. He wants to look good. So he wears a new suit and he puts on makeup because when you when you see him in the final scene, he's all made up again. Yeah. Shit like that makes brilliant. Burning the money just because he can. With Lout outside the top of it. Yeah, I forgot exactly. about that. He fucking burns that dude. I didn't know he like, hits him. With, with, the, with, with the money, with the money I yeah. fucking love that. It was a great shot. <laughs> like, to be fair, actually, if you were, if you were Chin Han in this movie, you're like, you, you are, you're getting beat. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you get burnt alive just after he throws some money at you. 
Um, but then again, um, Richie Costa, who plays Chechen in it, uh, gets eaten by dogs. So yeah. it's, it's pretty graphic. I do like as well when Heath Ledger jumps down the money thing. So you think that would have hurt. Yeah. That ain't soft. Oh, that was so good. But that's what I mean. Big giant set pieces. I love that bit there when he rings the, uh, the, the radio station, the TV station, which I always love in movies that you get straight through and on the air. <laughs> um, but that's really cool as well. Because that bit, that's the end of his plan. Yeah. Now, his plan now is I'm going to have fun with Batman. It's like, he knows who Batman is. It's like, kill him. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and, just, and then I want to be the only one who knows him. I want to find it out myself. Because the idea that Joker doesn't really care who Batman is because he's just, he's, he's got a friend. And of course, offset by also the the fifty uh, fifty bit with um, Dent and uh, Rachel, where they have to go save him, and that that's it, isn't it? I think when you rewatch this movie, or maybe you picked it up the first time, but certainly for me going back, because there's so much to take in, you realise the Joker won every step of the way. You yeah, know, like he, even like, when he got captured by Gary Oldman when he didn't die, yeah, and everyone's patting him on the back, and he's in the prison cell, <laughs> he was right where he wanted to be. I just, I'm just saying as well, right? So Jim Gordon saves the mayor and takes a bullet. And then fakes his death because he's not dead, but everyone thinks he is. But the mayor checks on him. So, so, <laughs> but the mayor's then surprised later when he's alive. So, yeah. so, so did he just roll him over and Jim Gordon went, I'm dead? <laughs> like a notepad. It was like, well, there's no need to check here. It's like, it's like, what, what, what was it? Street fight. He doesn't know he's dead. Move on. <laughs> when that guy, when, uh, oh, fucking muscles from Brussels fakes his death. But no oh, one, yeah, yeah. But no one checks him. Goes, yeah, he's, no, he's dead. Gallivan Ogre, you know, them like, <laughs> he's hey, just yeah, like, yeah, move on. Yeah. <laughs> Well, there's blood, isn't there? He's yeah, dead. He's dead. Yeah, move on. <laughs> yeah, it, the, the whole film has so many set pieces that make the two and a half hour runtime just flow into the next scene with excitement. You're like, oh my God, at least this bit. I remember in the cinema, that whole scene when he tells Batman and Gordon where Rachel and Harvey are. Yeah. And you know something's going on in the background because you've got that other prisoner who's like, my stomach hurts. Yeah, yeah. And and you, there's something like going on. He take you take me the nightmares. He put lights inside me, and then they're oh. like, "Is that a phone?" It's fucking crazy. It's so good. And Joker's like, "I want my phone caught," and how it all escalates into that scene. Oh, that- he, oh, and he 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 basically taunts that guy into like unlocking him so he can beat him up. Yeah. The next scene he's come out, he's got a knife against him, which I didn't realize when you see him later. He's got plaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really cool. It's, the, it's the glass from the mirror, uh, the two-way mirror that uh, Batman smashes oh. when he breaks his head against it. That whole scene, and it, oh, and it's shot brilliantly as well. That like when the bomb goes off and it has that kind of the score changes and the and Joker's the only one still standing, you know, and all that chaos. It's just brilliant. It's brilliant. And it the the, the problem with this movie that I thought going into it, I remember very clearly from 2008, watching it for the first time is. It's that balance, is it? Too much Joker, it's going to saturate it, and it's mm. not, but not enough, and I'm going to want more. And and that's the other thing. It, you get the right amount. You do get the right amount. Um, I think maybe the end is a little rushed when it comes to Two Face, but they've got this great. Just before he released him, the quite possibly the best heat moment is Two Face against the Joker. You know, he did this. Joker did this to Two Face, but then it explains <laughs> to him that he didn't actually go kill other people. And he does. Yeah. But but then he puts a gun to his head and he gets 50-50. It's like starting with you. So he, by 50-50, and I love that. Like the Joker could be dead. And you and also you, they, they say it twice, don't they, that Dent's refusing pain medication. Yeah. And I imagine he's in quite a bit of pain because yeah, half oh, his yeah. face is gone. Um, but and that may be what's turning him insane. And, and graphics, graphically he looks, that. I was like, I wonder what that looks like. But that still looks pretty fucked up. Yeah, and they do that classic horror thing, don't they? Of yeah. like, you don't see it. He turns his head, but then the camera pans away, mm. and then you finally do see it. And you you, you first see Bruce Wayne's reaction. Um, oh no, it's Gary Oldman. Is it? You see Gary Oldman's reaction before you see the actual uh, the actual scarring. 
I do love the bit when Joker goes to see him in hospital. And what I really like about it is, is Aaron Eckhart wakes up, looks at him, and it's only when he pulls the mask down, he goes, yes. oh. <laughs> I thought that as well. It's like, who did he think it was? Yeah, he's like, <laughs> what the fuck's his nurse look like? <laughs> Big, big smackhead, man. Yeah, that whole scene is brilliant as well. Like blowing up the hospital and, you know, the stories about that, about them saying, you've got one shot of this because we've only got enough explosives to do this once. So. And, then, and then he didn't go off and that, that him pissing about with the thing is real. Yeah. He was like, where is it? And then his reaction at first is actual genuine surprise because he wasn't expecting it. It's so cool. You get Also, I think the fighting in this movie ups its ante as well. Yes. In the first film... You're right. You get a lot of because one thing about Batman is he, he jumps in he jumps in the middle of twenty people and fights them all. And, you know the games were synonymous with that. The part of the game was fighting huge crowds of people and using that mixed martial arts and Casey style fight uh, techniques. And in this, the fight sequences do look a lot better. When he's fine, this one team. <laughs> he's fine, yeah. the guys. Yeah, I love that bit as well, though. So I love. Do I. I, I think that scene that scene plays out so well. I do. I do wish we got. Right, here's the weird thing. I like that they couldn't capture the joke. They couldn't capture him. Yeah. So Batman has to break the rules or invade people's privacy yeah, or do yeah. something that's that's morally corrupt to get him. Has to lower himself to Joker's tactics. Yeah. I just think the sonar thing is a bit on the nose because he's Bat and he's a Batman. I think it is so on the nose. I don't understand as well. So he's still using it when he's fighting the Joker. And that's how the Joker gets the upper hand because he kind of hits him and then it goes kind of weird. And the next time his vision comes on, the Joker's in front of him, beats him, holds him down. What I don't understand is you've got normal eyes. <laughs> Use them. because <laughs> no, he's a bat, James. He's <laughs> is, is a bit stupid, but do you know what? It's forgivable. That's, that's what, two negatives maybe in this entire what, film? What, what they get away with is the fact that then when he types, when Lucius types his name in, it blows up and you're like, yeah. right, good, because that technology can't exist in this world because... It's like, it's not, the, it's not the time travelling. The time yeah. travelling, he's like, well, then you'll never have a problem again. Well, where's Bane? I'll turn this machine on. Yeah. <laughs> so... He's underground with Killer Croc. <laughs> um, we were talking about Zaz in the first movie. In this one, you do get a little nod to uh, the Riddler in uh, Mr. Reese, which is a play on the word mystery, um, which is the person that wants to unveil, or unveil sorry, uh, Batman's identity as Bruce Wayne. Just going back to the Joker for a moment. Um, it, it, so Heath Ledger crafted the performance based on Alex from the Clockwork Orange, yep. which you can see in the jumping over, you know, particularly the jumping over Batman scene, the kicking in when he's down, the kind of spread. He's not a fighter. Yeah. You know, he's a dirty fighter. He's got a knife in his shoe, but... Um, and Sid Vicious from uh, Sex Pistols. So we wanted that punk oh, mix okay. between the two. Um, whereas Nicholson was uh, a mafia killer, Heath Ledger is purely psychotic. Michael Caine um, said on record, he said, I don't care what people say, he's the superior Joker, which is quite brave of Michael Caine because I imagine him and Jack Nicholson are in the same circles and yeah. assume from the same calibre. But um, I think a lot of the... Um, I, praise I, for his performance came from Michael Caine basically said he was, he was the most frightening thing he's ever seen I'm going to say it yeah you agree though oh I do I do yeah. I like I like that Nicholson is, is a mafia hitman turned to a joker it turns yeah. into a joker that's scary it's in its own stories, right so. um, but you know I think all, all the jokers every version of him have something interesting about him because he's just a really well written character yeah um, so uh, Nolan uh, would go on to say that Heath Ledger was fearless because no one in Hollywood was, would, was touching this role so um Heath Ledger wasn't the uh, he wasn't the, the first choice. I'd like to point out that he wasn't my favorite. I didn't want him when yeah. I heard it. When I heard it, I was like, I don't want the guy from Nightsdale to be the, one of my favorite characters of all time. And I was wrong. Yeah, uh, but a lot of people in Hollywood wouldn't even read the script because they were like, no, Na uh, Nicholson did it. Yeah, and I'm not walking in there in that shadow. And uh, you know, Heath Ledger was like, fucking pass it on, mate. I'm going to do it. 
no origin that we talked about. Now, also, he did one of the rare things of winning the quintuplet of the Saga Award, the Oscar, the BAFTA, and the Critics' Choice. Ooh. He didn't go on to win the fifth, which is the Satellite Award, because he was beaten by Michael Shannon. Well, obviously, if you're going to lose someone, you're going to lose to someone. Shannon. Yeah. What about the Blockbuster Movie Award? Where did that go? I don't think he got best kiss neither. That's bullshit. I think I heard as well that... Um, That's bullshit. You know a lot of the tick of him like licking his lips and stuff? Yeah. It's because... He's to keep the prosthetics on. Keep the on. prosthetics on. Yeah. And then he turned it into a part of, a, part of the character. Yeah. Um, would go on, like I say, to uh, make a billion at the international box office, which would take years before a comic book movie did that again with Endgame, Infinity War, and then obviously No Way Home. I think he did as well, didn't it? Dark Knight Rises. I can imagine so. Because, I mean, you're riding the coattails of one of the best bloody comic book movies ever. So we've answered the harsh question there of who was better, Nicholson or fucking Heath Ledger. Now, who was better, Aaron Eckhart or Tom Lee Jones? Let's do first. It, do you know what? <laughs> I would like to see Aaron Eckhart's human face with Tom Lee Jones's uh, burnt face. <laughs> yeah. Put them two together. Sold. <laughs> um, Tommy Jones just didn't know what the fuck he was doing, did he? He did, but also he just hated Jim Carrey. The problem with that is he spent the majority of his scenes with Jim Carrey. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, it's one of the weird things. I think that that's the movie where Josh Schumacher was like, look, don't don't watch the Tim Burton stuff. Like me, just go back to the 60s. And Tommy Lee Jones did that. And Jim Carrey just turned up and was Jim Carrey mm. in a leotard. Buffoonery. Um, so do you think it holds up? I do, yeah. I think... Um, I've, in, in many ways, it's better than I remember. It's a film that I don't think you can watch it too many times because um, you, you've got to kind of savour the masterpiece that it is. Um, but I think having a bit of time between watching it last and watching it now, it, it, it's, yeah, it definitely holds up. It is one of the best movies of all time. I, it reinforced my opinion. You know, I said, you know, I was asking you these questions at the start I was really worried, like, you've got Logan in your head. And for me, it's Infinity Wars. I really like X-Men Days of Future Past. When I came out of cinema, I had that feeling. So, oh my God, I just saw something great. Which I'm the only one that thinks that, <laughs> you know. You are one of the only people thinking that. If you said first class, I would have been like, oh yeah, that movie rocks. Well, the Days of Future Past, because it was such a dynamic story. Because you can, you know, it's like the, there's a scene. We're not doing this again, James. There's a scene with, no, because you always get confused. I'm talking about the one where Patrick Stewart talks to fucking. Yeah, yeah, I remember now. It's yeah, a fucking yeah. great film. Anyway. Yeah, to me, reinforced it. I was like, I came out of this, I was like, I like Logan. Mm. I like Infinity Wars, but to me, nothing will beat that feeling I got of something like the first screen you make. They didn't do midnight screens for this film, but they, they opened up at like at eight o'clock. I remember why I went back in at, at something like one o'clock to watch the film again. Mm. I came out, I was so excited. I was like, I want to go again. I, I, nothing will ever beat the magic I saw in that cinema. It was... It's top five. It top was, five cinema moments for me, definitely. It was so so unique it's never happened before mm. I've never come out of cinema and wanted to see a film straight away which is what I did so to me it is the comic book film it's my best comic book film is one of the best films of all time. it holds up it was really good the performances were even better I love the little nuances now like the little crazy things and and surely The Dark Knight Rises couldn't so when this film came out I didn't realise this, but this was very highly praised because I thought a lot of people didn't like it because it was nothing competitive. It was I, very one of the best films of 2012. One I, of the seen as one of the best comic book films. I was like, was it? I I always thought it was better than Begins. I always thought in my head it went night, uh, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, then Batman Begins. Yeah, and it was the evolution of the technology and the the IMAX stuff because there were you know there is the monorail stuff in the Begins movie yeah. and Liam Neeson kind of towards the end and the whole like, it can't get to the central station stuff kind of took Apparently. me out of the climax of that movie. <laughs> um, right. So, so joining the cast this time round, Anne Hathaway, Brilliant. Selena, Carl and Catwoman. Brilliant. 
um, you've got uh, Marion Cotillard as Ma- uh, Miranda Tate, and the biggest one you've got Joseph Gordon-Levitt coming in as Blake. Mm. So supporting characters now, Blake is going to be already. You know, he's going to be the the, the the secondary hero. You need the next generation type thing. This is what's happening. Anne Hathaway is the new love interest because the stuff that we didn't mention is is um, Maggie Gyllenhaal's character Rachel Dawes is dead. She actually died. So that's something we forgot to mention. Mm. It's very rare that she actually died and she died picking someone else. So she dies picking, I don't love you, Bruce. I love Harvey Dent. Yeah. And and there's that really awesome scenario. Not awesome. Sorry. It's a really heartbreaking scenario where... Because um, she thinks she's being saved. Yeah, exactly. She even says, doesn't she? He, 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 yeah. She's trying to comfort him. Because she just because she knows Batman's going to yeah. not knowing that the Joker again has played a game and yeah. is tricked because that's what... You switch the dresses around because they they say, oh, she's they're coming for you, Rachel, and she and she even says, I know, you know, what yeah. can I do for you? You know, are you okay? You know, like, what can you see? And that realization when she when 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 he starts screaming no because Batman walks in, he goes, no, not me, no. yeah. Oh, it plays out. What a scene! Um, but she dies and she leaves a letter, basically explaining to Bruce, like, nah, not you, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking done with you. And Alfred burns the letter because he doesn't want to do this. So now you've got him carrying this on. So Bruce Wayne still thinks he's lost the love of his life. He's like, I had a way out. I had it. You know, also, again, we've got to mention that he takes responsibility for the murders. So now Batman's the villain. He's haunted. Because, oh, shit. Yeah, I've because, pushed all over yeah, this. But, but, mate, it's, it's, there's so much to talk about with a dark yeah. night. But he literally says it, that famous scene, he's not the hero we wanted. He's the hero we needed because mm. we need to put blame on him. We can't, you know, if we do this, we'll chase we do him. It. We'll set the dogs on him. Yeah, exactly. We'll run him into the ground. Like, and why? Because he can take it. Yeah. That's, that's a great way to end because he's Gotham's Dark Knight. And then it, the screen goes to white as he goes into, oh, what a way to end the film. And I, I like that as well in a film. It's it's very kind of classic cinema of, uh, you know, the, the hero takes out the henchman first, mm. you know, and that's the big showdown. You figure something like Die Hards, you know, you got the big fight scene is with Carl. The Hans Gruber stuff is the exchange of dialogue before yeah. one of them who you know is going to be the villain has to perish. And I love that this kind of this goes back to the 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 80s action movies that clearly influence you know this 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 kind of film. And you've got the big set piece with the Joker in the in the construction building and you know you got all that stuff with Batman also shanks three dogs off the roof yeah, pretty quick. Yeah. He's not going to take a human life. He'll take a dogs. Yeah, but to be fair there's dogs like there's no the problem is with a human you can knock them on, well maybe you could have tried to knock a dog on contact. I, still, I still think that's a weirder thing to see on screen than just throwing him off an edge it's just the guy got to sleep <laughs> he's punching yeah, him yeah he didn't have his anti-dog spray which is looking <laughs> right and let down he didn't, didn't even have a bone to go yeah. <laughs> or a stick but uh, the um, I, I love the, I love sorry how in such a big film with so many moving parts and so many you know uh, big set pieces hospitals blowing up you know the the whole, the, the bit where the Joker's like, um, they'll turn on each other and they don't and it kind of restores your like faith in humanity and and it ends with three guys where, you know, at the place where Rachel dies, you know, yeah. that, that scene is so, oh man, I, I forgot how cool that scene is. It, it's, it's such an ending. Yeah. You, you, you come out of that cinema, you, you turn off that TV and you're like, what is next? And, you know, Harvey breaks his neck from, four, from the fall, Batman doesn't because he can't even move his neck. <laughs> exactly. So how is he going to break mate? it? <laughs> Um, so Anne Hathaway filling into the sh- into the shoes of the love interest of yours you know Selena Kyle she's cheeky she's a bit of a minx mate she does what she wants what I love about this is she's next level she is the equal mm. to Batman she's not playing shit you know she's she wants something great scene so Batman years years of abuse but apparently he stops being Batman directly after that film so I don't know what happens to his next 
I, yeah. I like to think that he was still doing stuff, but not as publicly. Yeah. And that it took the, it took his toll on, but he's eight years. He's, what's happened is he's become a bit of a recluse. He's taken, he's taken like basically the shit off everyone. Everyone hunted him. So he faded away and he put his powers to what Alfred had been telling him to do. He started this big energy project with a, a Marion's character, Miranda Tate. So Miranda Tate, another bit, they put this money together to create renewable energy that will save the Gotham. Didn't work. He's lost all his money. Mm. He's in trouble. Mads Mikkelsen, uh, not Mads Mikkelsen, right? Um, <sighs> Mandelson. Yeah. Mandelson's come. He wants his company. Ben Mendelson. Ben Mendelson's come. He wants his money. He's fucking not happy. He's got Bern Gorman with him as well. Yeah. Who, he's such a villain. I know. He, I never, he'll never be the love interest. No, he, <laughs> he, he should just go around dressed as a Nazi. You know what I mean? <laughs> just, just be easier. Yeah. But... So you've got new helping. You've got new love interests. You've got two new love interests. Not a big one. Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy's hot. Tom Hardy's the hottest he's ever been probably at this time. You know, he just done Inception, which, you know, catapulted him even further. And, you know, he was going to be the next day. Bane. Again, he puts on a lot of effort. Bane is nobody's favorite villain. Now he plays, what I love this, they just call him the mercenary. Mm. And then as this backstory goes, you find out so much more about him. And what I love about it is he's so badass, he was excommunicated from the League of Shadows. Yeah. That sounds awesome. He's wearing a mask. You don't really know why at first. Makes him talk in a very weird accent. But when I was researching, like, the he's like, because Bane's a Mexican character, he tried to get, like, a Mexican dialect in there. He just kind of tried to bit of everything, which is how he goes, hello. Because they redid his weird. voice, like, three times, didn't they? They did, didn't they? Um, I've got to say, I never, the original, I never really heard it that bad. But the Joker's, the Joker's introduction was good. That was, it was the best. They do try to top it, and I don't think it works, but I still do think it's a very good introduction. However, plot holes. There's a lot of stuff going on at the beginning of this movie. Yeah. So Littlefinger's there. Yeah. <laughs> he got up, hey, Baelish. He's a CIA agent. <laughs> takes all these people on board. Doesn't check them, though. Doesn't check them for weapons <laughs> or check fucking that, anything. Doesn't check that huge one. <laughs> it's just like, so he sits in there, starts fake executing people, and, and, then, and then you get it. He's like, what's your plan? It's like, well, I'm going to crash this plane, <laughs> and I'm going to fuck you up. Yeah. Why would you shoot a man before throwing him out of the plane? Good point, to be fair, Bane. Good point. <laughs> What's your plan? Crushing this plane. <laughs> but I'm going to do a blood transfusion first. It's just like, I'm just going to let this guy die. It's like, no, brother, you must stay here. You like, set that quite well. What I'm saying is, I really don't really know how to take Bane. But I'll be honest, this time around, I so when I watch this film, I'm always confused about how I'm supposed to feel about Bane. Mm. This time around, maybe it's because I could understand him more. Maybe different, different cut. Maybe my DVD is upgraded and I can hear him better. I've got to say, he's actually a very good villain. And whereas, he went from a position to me where I was like, I don't like Bane because he's not the Joker, but he's something different. He's his equal. In fact, Bane beats the shit out of Batman even when Batman's got his, you know, the eye of the tiger back. Bane is still better than him. He's got, mm. and Michael Caine, again, <clears throat> he, his job is narrator. And he basically tells him, he's like, he's better than you. Do you know what I see? I see passion. I see vigour. I see the League of Shadows reborn. That's such a great like mm. phrase. And then he's like, and he's talking to it. And then when they have a speech, he's like, you know, he uses darkness, he uses theatrics. But every time he's beating him, he's just every every word is like velvet. Every sentence that Bane speaks is actually written. It's like theatrics for the uninitiated. We aren't initiated though, aren't we, Bruce? It's like, you think the dark is your ally? It's like I was born, born in it. it. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is it's really... quotable. I, I tell you the line that got me rewatching it is um the second time you see Bane, we go down in the sewers. That's and, weird. Um, <laughs> and he's shirtless near yeah. near a waterfall thing as they're building. So you're like, okay, so something's going on here. 
and one of his henchmen's come back and he's like, you failed me. And then uh, he's like, search that, search, so he Gordon's for, passed out. Yeah, he's like, go find him. No, oh. he, he, before that he says, search him and then I'll kill you. And that's such a sinister line. He mm. says, search him and then I'm going to kill you. So this guy has to search Gordon's body knowing afterwards he's going to get bloody shot. Like, he, he, Bane, fucking hell, like, leaves no punches, is a badass in this movie. He is, he is so badass. And then the story goes, there's this mythical prison where the baddest of the bad go. Bane was born in it and he escaped. You know, he pulled himself out. And this is what I was talking about. Nolan is going to trick you later. Yeah. But he hasn't tricked you because the the actor that plays the young, what you assume is Bane, is is a female girl, is is, is an actress. Of, I know she's quite famous now. I, I, that, I can't remember the film that she's in. But um, there's no trickery about it. No one ever says Bane is the person that does it. Batman hears the story and assumes it's Bane. Yeah. So what you've got is you've got the ultimate henchman, not the main villain. And shy surprise, Miranda Tate turns out to be the daughter of Ray's Algol, Rash Algol, however you want to pronounce it. In a, what's really weird is, again, if you know the comic books, you know that Ra's Algol has a daughter that falls in love. Well, they has a relationship with Batman. They have a child with Damien. So you know this. But I knew this. And I was sat in that cinema. And when it was revealed, I was still shocked. I was, <laughs> I, I was, I was, like, I was amazed. I was like, fuck me, that's actually true. Um. What a, what if, so I was going into this film nervous. I was like, it won't hold up. I don't really think, I was unsure. Aaron, level with me here. This film, when I'm watching it, is a very good film. Yeah. Afterwards, when I think about the plot holes, that's when the film loses it for me. That's my problem is when I'm watching it and I'm in the moment of it, I actually think it's really good. I think it could be up there with The Dark Knight. It's like, oh my God, it's really good. I really like it. But then when you step away, you go, the police were just sat on the ground for five months. Batman shows up the day before. Batman has a scene with Miranda Tate. And then the next scene is demanding to know where she is. Well, you should know. Mm. You were the last one to see it. Time's of an essence. But don't worry, because he's got enough time to paint a Batman symbol in gasoline on a fucking wall and then set fire to it. There are, there are elements of the film that don't hold up. They really don't. However... It's- when I'm watching it, mate, I'm in there, and it does a good job of gripping me. It, it does for, for me. It is those theatrics that take me out. It's 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 destroying a plane with another plane, you know, upside down and doing a blood transfusion. It's for me. I was like, that's a bit much in it it's in the beginning. Too much, yeah, <clears throat> you've got the um, the American the Gotham American football team. It's like, and I, I didn't know Gotham had an American football team. I don't know. Of course, why wouldn't they? Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> yeah, but do I need to see it? I don't know. Um, but that's offset with a really great scene where Bane, and let's be honest, a very good coat. And you know, I love, I love to point out a good coat. Good coat, yeah. He's like, what a great voice. Then he blows up the stadium. And then afterwards, like his plan is to like hold Gotham hostage, but he gives, he's like giving the people <laughs> their power back. You, the people. So I'm actually, so weirdly he's quite, it's, it's quite engaged. It's quite mm. charismatic. Like people are on his side, I imagine. Like people are like, yeah, that's cool. We'll do something a bit different. <laughs> Until he breaks a dude's neck. Until he breaks a dude's neck. But what I'm saying is, is you could understand why people would be happy to live under his rule because, because the next scene you get, and this is where I was talking about earlier, the economics, is the, the downtrodden. The next scene you see them smashing up like five-star luxury hotels, dragging mm. people out. There's a phenomenal scene where you see them walking and you see the, what do you call the person outside? Concierge. Yeah, the concierge. And then the next day, the concierge is pulling like an old woman out, mm. like throwing her on the street because he's one of the downtrodden. They're taking the city back. Selena Kyle kind of existed. This is what she wanted. When you first meet her, she's like, she only steals from the rich. This is what she wanted. But then she realizes that like the reaction, like what she's done, she's helped cause this. You know, she gets a pound of guilt, you know, saves a, saves a kid mm. from getting beaten up over stealing an apple. She, you know, she changes, mate. She turns that heart. She's not black art. She's a 
Oh no, white heart. There you go. She's white. Whatever heart. cats have. Yeah. She wasn't licked by cats. No, she wasn't, mate. But she's just, just a cat burglar. She's just a cat burglar. But again, that great chemistry. <sighs> it's it, it, it's Rocky Four is the thing. Oh, do you do you think it's that bad? No, I like Rocky Four. I like Rocky Four. Rocky Four was all about overcoming the demon, the more powerful, the person yeah. you're scared of. I suppose it's a bit of Rocky Three as well. But Rocky Four, you know, <laughs> like seeing you, you, you know, like Stallone had to, you know, lift logs to be able to beat. Yeah, you know. Uh, he wasn't the uh, the he wasn't the home team in that movie, yeah. and that's what this is. Isn't it? Like the the big build up to this was, you know, Bane's the character that broke the Batman's back. You know, and would this be the end of you know? It's the last. This is the, there's not going to be enough one. Batman's dead. He's going to die in this movie. Bane's going to do it. You know, and you get swept up into that. I think for me it was just the grandness of, you know, like things like I wasn't a fan of the Tumblr. I mean, that's something that we talked about. That I, for me, yeah. the eighty nine Batmobile is the Batmobile. I think the Robert Pattinson. Uh, car that you, the Batmobile looks cool, looks quite like a modern 66 version of the Batmobile. Yeah. Um, wasn't really a fan of the Affleck one, um, you know, which was to me too close to the Tumblr. I, so then when you see the Batwing in this, I'm like, again, it's not the Batwing, it's not the 89. It's, no, but at the same time, is it that would be harder to pull off though, wouldn't it? Like the idea is that it's military equipment. Yeah, yeah, I, it took up, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I get, I get that it's that it's you know it's a it, it's set at a realistic time and you know, but it was just things like that. I was like, oh, okay, but all the all the low level stuff, the Bane talking to Batman, you know, those dialogue scenes, the the cat and mouse with Selena Kyle and Batman, those scenes hold up. They are brilliant. So I was actually surprised when I was reading the reviews for this because I just thought this film was okay, good. I thought this film was good, and um hearing these reviews of how great it was and it was like, it was one of the best films of 2012. It's, it's like the second best at the time. It was like, I think it took more than The Dark Knight, but that's because The Dark Knight, obviously, everyone wanted to see what was going to happen. Yeah. Sequels to very good films usually do that. So I was nervous going into it because I was always thought it was good, but I've got to admit, because of the Bane, because of his performance, I actually am upgrading it to a very good experience. And... I'm going to say it again, mate, and every film's come up to this. Michael Caine, mate, elicits a tear from me with the speech that he gives at the end because they strip Batman away. They strip Bruce Wayne. This is a Bruce Wayne story. Mm. They strip him away. They steal his money. So he's got nothing. He's allowed to keep the house, though. You know, he falls so low that you know, he does one thing that Batman, uh, when he was Batman, he never does. He, he basically lets his guard down. You know, he sleeps with Miranda. You know, he develops feelings for her and Selena. I mean, never done before. Um when he decides to bring Batman back, it irritates Alfred because the idea was that if Batman hadn't been there, they might have caught Bane. Mm. But Bane basically, Batman took the focus off Bane. And then there's this great scene where like all the police cars in Gotham are chasing him down an alley. And it looks really cool. And then that's when you see the bat thing. And I agree with you. It looks, I, it looks I, well, very crappy. I like how it comes out of that. You know, that's, yeah. that's a nod out of like 80 sci-fi movies, you know, like yeah. where they're all looking down the dark alley and the light turns on. You're like, what the fuck? You know, like a bike went in. Bike, that's really weird as well. I remember the bike, it was only one specific stuntman could ever get the bike working, wasn't it? Like, yeah, don't matter who else that. was, it just couldn't stay on the damn thing. Um, and I quite like how it kind of emerges, but it's just, yeah. It's, it, you I, know, I know what you mean. Aesthetically, it doesn't look yeah. that great. Or, or the fact that it stays for five months in Gotham somewhere, you know, with under like martial law, no one finds it, that type of thing. But, you know, Alfred gets really angry with him and leaves him. He's mm. had enough of his shit. And just before that, he tells him a story of like, if you're like, you're not strong enough for this. You can't do this. It's like, I don't want to see you in your life. And then he tells him this fantastic story. It's like going all the way back to the first film. He says, when you left Gotham, I didn't want you to come back. I had this dream that every time I went on holiday, I'd see you sitting across from me. We wouldn't even speak. 
are, are we just not heads and everything would be okay and we wouldn't never have to speak again because I knew you were happy. Beautiful and, scene. And you knew I was safe. And then he leaves and, and he's gone for the majority of the film. Standout for me, obviously, throughout these films is obviously Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman gets, mm. his character gets shot quite early on and misses basically a large period of the film just so he can come back at the end and actually be the MVP who actually is the one who saves the day. Mm. You got Batman, you got uh, uh, Selena Carl. She changes throughout the story. She gets what she wants, realises that's not what she wants, doesn't betray anyone, kills Bane in the end. That, 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 I remember watching it in the cinema. I was like, that's how they take him out. Yeah. But now that I'm older and listening to everything you're saying and agreeing with you, Try, Nolan trying to keep things back to realism. Yes. You know, like I imagine, yeah, if you took a cannon to the chest, you probably would die. <laughs> but but yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? It's, like, like, yeah. but it's like such a big imposing character. You think Batman's going to do it. Mm. Um, and I also really like the Tom Hardy story where he's saying like he put on all the weight and he, he even says like, he wasn't that, he wasn't overly big. It's just, it's just lit really well. He and, does and, look big, doesn't he? And they do the thing, they do the the, the over shoulder so he can kind of like, you know, haunch. broaden his back and haunch. And they do a lot of low looking up shots as well. You say that, but there's that scene where he pulls himself down by those chains, which I can, you must be buff oh, as it, pissed it, to do that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, and he, you know, in a lot of things like he's done with like the Bronson movie, he does get in good physical shape, but he's gone on record now, hasn't he, saying that he was not healthy. Like he was, mm. good thing he had that mask on because he was out of breath in every scene because he's, he just ate pizza. He didn't do the Hugh Jackman thing and the, um, he you shredded. Know, he just got bored. Yeah, he just ate shit to get as much mass as possible. Um, it, 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 but he's physically imposing. They put two jackets on him in all the scenes when he has got a top on. Yeah. And he says that scene as well where he, the first day he saw Batman, uh, Christian Bale, it was the scene where they fighting on the steps. And he comes out of his trailer thinking like, oh, fuck it, I'm Bane, I've got this shit. And he says, but the moment you see Christian Bale dressed as Batman, you're like, oh my God, I'm a kid. <laughs> and that's awesome hearing that from Tom Hardy. That is know. pretty cool. Um, and then the fulcrum of the film is, so there's a bomb that you can't get rid of, just like Batman 1966. You can't do anything because... <sighs> Mate, Lucius Fox has said, can't it's... figure out the damn autopilot. Yeah. It's there. It's there. Nolan could give you... Put so the breadcrumbs out, mate. So you can't do it. So Batman goes off into the ether. It's very sad times. I genuinely, I thought Batman was dead because mm. there's a close up of his face with five seconds to go. So I was like, well, he's dead then. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out that face, that close up must have been him like falling out of that plane. <laughs> just like, just seemed like a seagull fly past. Um, in, in what I would say is quite possibly the best end to a trilogy. The third films of franchises do not rhyme, wind things up. Yeah. Well, yeah. they famously don't. Iron Man 3 decides to blow up all his Iron Man suits. Why? Fuck it. I don't know. Because he's in the next film. Why does... Why does it end like this? Well, I think of all the storylines, it's he tells he tells Jim Gordon who he was, but he doesn't. He says, he's like, I never I never cared who you were. I love that line. He goes, I never cared who you were. And Batman's like, I know. He's like, but don't you want people to know? He goes, no, because that's the idea. Anyone can be Batman. Mm. It could be anything. It could be a small thing like putting your coat around a small boy's shoulders to let him know that the world isn't over. And then it like takes a step back and I would love Jim Gordon to go, Ew. <laughs> just like, I don't know. Don't give me an answer, you prick. What a weird metaphor. <laughs> what a weird metaphor that has nothing to do with me. He goes away. You know, Blake quits the force because those institutes. But the heartbreaking for me, like I said earlier, is the fucking speech that fucking Alfred gives to three tombstones where, mm. he, where he begs for forgiveness from the parents of Bruce Wayne, mate. I, I, did, it, I, did, I did it in the cinema and I did it here. I wasn't born here, but I had that tear and I was like, don't mm. come out. Don't come out. It came out. Fucking Michael Caine gives a speech at the end of The Prestige, I think as well, that does the same thing. I, there's a tear and I'm like, no, don't you fucking come out, you dick. You stay in there. <laughs> but the speech that he gives where he just begs for forgiveness and I'm sorry. And what happens? 
Lucius Fox finds out that they did find the, he did fix the autopilot. And then Michael Caine, and I don't know if you notice this, he turns directly into the screen and nods, mm. implying that it's the fourth wall break as well. So is he nodding to you as the audience? And I wish they'd cut it there, but then you do see that it's, it is the Batman. Bruce Wayne living the high life with Anne Hathaway, having fun, you know, free. I want, I wanted a full stop at this film. I didn't want it to be the open. I, you know, with the Nolan films, there's always an era of like, what if with them? Mm. I think we've done the hard work. We've been on a journey together through the years with the, with this character, um, right, you know, from 2005 to 2012. I, I like that it came full circle. Yeah. And you got that. I didn't want to leave that I, thinking, oh, is he alive? Is he not? You know, it's interpretation. No, I, I want, I'm glad I was told. I get it. But what I really wanted is I wanted him to look over and see Anne Hathaway with the pearls that are missing. And then Bruce Wayne sits next down to, and says, I like your dream, but I don't like the idea that we don't talk. Because why would he not talk to him? It's fucking, mm. that's what I would have done, but that's me. I'm a whore for happy endings, apparently. So one of the reasons and what this film does magnificently well, it actually closes out a trilogy of films in a satisfactory and well thought out way. It makes sense. Even the final action scene where, and I didn't, I didn't remember this. They're not trying to kill uh, Talia al Ghul, um, Randa Tate. They're actually trying to drive her to the place where they need to put the bomb back because there's this the, right the 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 big threat's a bit bollocks. It's a bomb that's going to go off in five months because it gives gives Batman enough time to mend his back, <laughs> escape a prison, and get out. <laughs> but so it needed to be a long period because he couldn't have done it in a few days. But, it, but even what, then, five months is good to fix your back. <laughs> it is pretty good. And, it, and to be honest, it took the kids ages to get out of that pit. Batman did it five months. <laughs> and. I was disappointed with the prison. I thought the prison was going to be like hell on earth. It turns out it's quite a nice place. Mm. <laughs> there's, there's that Lazarus pit. It's yeah, yeah. The idea that people are reborn type of thing, which I and there was a metaphor for the literal Lazarus pit in the comic books yeah. where people are reborn. But no, um, I really enjoyed it. I think the highlight though is the stories that keep getting told. So when you find out that Bane isn't Bane's the protector. Bane was the person that got killed because it actually makes sense. And it's like, oh, that's why he's got masks because he got that protecting her. Mm. When they come back, the idea that Raz al Ghul hated the fact that he was always reminded of his wife's death and his daughter's torture, which is why he executed Bane. Everything makes sense in the story. And it's actually really well put, really well thought. And I think the storyline stands out. It's fucking phenomenal. In in a time where we were getting nonsensical third films. And that that's that's what's really good about that third film as well, is that it does close the loop really well. You could have gone big or gone home. You could have done a Riddler. Because the, the original storyline to the third movie was going to be, uh, it was rumoured Robin Williams was going to be the, the Riddler and it was going to be like The Departed, that um, Batman, Bruce Wayne was trying to figure out who the Riddler was before the Riddler broke the identity of who Batman was. And it was going to be a, that was the storyline. That was the original script or the original rumor that was going around. Mm. Then it was revealed that it was Bane, it was Tom Hardy. And then everyone straight away was like, Bane is the strong man, is yeah. the henchman. There has to be someone else. And I actually quite like that it's the daughter of Raj Al And it wasn't, they didn't go with like a weird period. Oh, it's the Penguin. Why? Because I, everyone knows the Penguin. Yeah. Why would Penguin and Bane be working together? You know what I mean? It kind of, you're right. It is very, very satisfactory. And you think of big trilogies, you know, is, you know, back to the future, love all three, but the third is the weak link. Godfather, the third one is definitely the weak link. You're right. It does tend to be the third one is the one that you're like, ah, one too many. Mm. Spider-Man, X-Men 3. It's, it's literally at that time as well, Blade, Blade 3. It's normally because it's the last chance to use those characters up, that IP up, isn't yeah, it? And, and they just throw all the money into it. And they've normally got the biggest budgets because... They've made the, money. And so. Yeah, and, and, and they say, well, we spent it on the last movie, so we definitely need it in this movie. So, and, you, and I think also because they, they can cut back on marketing because they've got two movies to rest on. So I really did enjoy it. 
I thought it was really good fun. It's great to see what were familiar faces. Like Lucius Fox is great. has a bigger kind of role in it. Removed a lot of people. So they strip a lot of people like the absence of Alfred. But what was Alfred going to do in like a post-war time? Um, Gotham, you know, isolated from the world. And you, so he needs to make new allies, Selena Carla. And Anne Hathaway, to me, is the MVP of this film. She's brilliant. She's fantastic. She, she's so good as Selena Carla. She... She's up there with Michelle Pfeiffer as what a great performance of a cat woman. Mm. Uh, I'm not mentioning Halle Berry because obviously her work goes. <laughs> I stayed. Uh, so I actually was surprised by how much I really enjoyed The Dark Knight Rises. And bearing in mind that my opinion definitely got better of The Batman Begins. This trilogy, after rewatching it, and like you haven't watched it in a very long time, is actually better than when I saw it for the first time, which I wasn't expecting. I was expecting to maybe think, oh, The Dark Knight's not as good. Oh, fucking Batman Begins is shit. The Dark Knight Rises is a mess. And don't get me wrong, The Dark Knight Rises is actually a mess. There's so many gaps in it, but the film does a good job of enough of covering it. Yeah. So you can ignore it. I, I think for me, Selena Cowles and uh, Anne Hathaway is the, is, is the, for me, the in the third film is the best thing. Mm. Because Bane's got the pressure on his shoulders coming in after Joker, leaving Anne Hathaway to play with that role. Yeah. Um, and a lot of her scenes, I remember we watched it this week, um, it kind of, I remember in the poster, I remember a kind of, uh, you know, the cat suit, the ears, the, the goggles, that kind of stuff that I was like, oh yeah, but Catwoman's in this one and her scenes in it are really playful. That, yeah. that, that change of when she's the maid to when she then drops a guard because she realizes, well, Bruce Wayne is a, you know, is a, um, he's got, he can't move. He's yeah. His feet. I and can, she I, dances I, around that. She's like, oh, you know, uh, you know, this is the, and how she somersaults out the window. I was like, that's just textbook, like mm. Catwoman, that character. Um, I, I loved it. I, I think, I think the third movie just hold up. I think it's really enjoyable. It has the grand stakes as well towards the end of it. So the only thing that you'd say is, every film gets bigger, and the third one having like essentially a nuclear weapon that can go around is kind of bullshit. But I get it. The the Bane's driving force is to torture, um. Batman, whilst he lays in a prison, he's going to let him watch his city tear itself apart. What would have been cool to actually see the city tear itself apart a bit more mm. or have the prison, and this is where I think they missed out. The prison should have been a sh like a show. In fact, it was just really helpful people in there. Yeah. <laughs> like, really nice. Uh, and there's something about the third film. I think the music actually steps up in the third one. It's some of the best. Doesn't have the joke thing, but the music is pretty epic mm. throughout this film. And all these nods to the fire rises the just the talking the, the i think the script is probably the strongest yeah the storyline's got weak parts in it but the script some of the lines that bane say are fucking phenomenal they drip off the tongue like a beautiful malaise mate it's phenomenal yeah as, as far as trilogy goes maybe one of the strongest yeah maybe that's a question we should ask uh listeners what is your favorite trilogy you know and does anything beat the nolan uh batman films what i really like about him as well is that it, the, even watching it, you don't get the idea that this is the quintessential Batman. This is this is the the Joker. I know that there are hard shoes to fill, which Jared Leto found out. Um, but Joaquin Phoenix has certainly done something different with that character. That a character that will continue to be reimagined and reinterpreted and, and rediscovered. I would like to see some other ones. I love the Joker. It, I some yeah, ones. It, it's it's not like Vader, Darth Vader. When you think of villains, like they 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 you have to fit a mold yeah. to do that. You know. Um, Bane as well. You could do different interpretations of Bane, Catwoman, you know, Halle Berry tried, you know, and failed, but... we got Zoe, Zoe Kravitz. Zoe Kravitz now I coming think in, yeah. Be fucking phenomenal. They, all these characters can be rehashed and, and reintroduced. It's harder. Marvel kind of... The, the thing with the Marvel films with different directors and, you know, you can't really imagine now a Tony Stark that isn't 
uh, you, you know, yeah, Downey yeah. Jr. I mean, I know the rumor mill at the moment is Tom Cruise is coming into it in the next movie as part of the Illuminati, but, um, <laughs> I, I just, there's something about the Nolan films as well that kind of go, yes, this is a trilogy. These are the three movies. You take these three, but do other stuff as well. You know, you can, yeah. you can have it coexist with other um, versions. I don't think anything yet has matched it. But I, we're about to find out with the Batman. So it's really weird. So watching this, you're well aware of the change in comic book films. I do prefer this style. There's no over-reliance on the fans doing a lot of the work. It was, it was, there was great stories told. They took from famous storylines, you know, from the comics. They reimagined these characters in a different way. It was better. I got superhero fatigue. I've got it. I'm a Batman whore. Mm. I love the Batman. I've got midnight tickets to see the Batman. I will be watching the Batman. I will probably love the Batman. But my interest in the Batman it has, is waning because there's just too much stuff. Just do something different. Pick a different character. Do something different. I'm really... The extra effort that you have to go into watch a film now is ridiculous. It's really nice this week to watch a trilogy of films where the only film I had to see was the film that preceded it. Yeah. I didn't have to watch, you know, 60-minute screening of this. And, you know, time's getting less. I've got a lot of job interviews. I don't have the time to watch 60 hours of a TV series just to understand one inside joke on the big screen. It was really nice to go back to a time when... And don't get me wrong, I love an extended universe because of the nods and stuff. But too much is sometimes too much. Mm. And these films were perfectly in their hole, telling a great story, a linear story of Batman. And the third question, so the first one I said was, how does a man become a bat? The second one was, how does a bat defeat a clown? And the third one to me was, how does a bat become a man? Because obviously he leaves the mantle of Batman, Batman's barely in it. It was really good. It's really, if you look at it, a story arc of a man of a question of why does a man become a bat and then how does he become human again? It literally is a perfect story mm. and it will tell you because he needed to fight crime. Then he came up against a clown that made him question everything and then he found someone he could spend the rest of his life with and he fought injustice and he was finished. And it was just a great, it's a great cylinder, three films, two and a half hours long. Mm. It was a great story to tell you about why a man would dress like a bat to fight vigilantism and I liked it. And you could never have a fourth. You, there was yeah. no way they were going back to it. I, this whole... Um, flashpoint as well, where they were trying to bring back different Batmans. You know, they've got Keaton, which is great because, you know, if No Way Home has taught us anything, his nostalgia is brilliant. Yeah. But th these three films do feel a bit untouchable. Like, you can't really bring Christian Bale back without people being like, no, leave him. He was happy. It all bookended really yeah. well. You know, it was fine. Um, so, yeah, I like, I like where they exist. I like where they exist as a trilogy on their own. Yes, locked away. Yeah. In our vault. In our vault, 100%. The Nolan trilogy in the vault. What do you know? Obviously, going into the Batman, um, excited I am. I, I think I think Rob Pattinson's a great cast. I think Paul Dano. I'm such a huge fan of, and that's who I'm. I'm I'm almost where I was with Heath Ledger being Joker, as I am now with Paul Dano's Riddler. I'm so excited to see what he's done with it. So I just give you a bit of speech about how I'm, I've got Batman fatigue. I am so excited for this film. Yeah, and I hate that. What I so I've got worries. My concerns are that apparently. This film, while standalone, set on Earth too. This was, this is still a lot of it is still Ben Affleck's original Batman. So there's stories, and his was playing in the big part of. So there may be some nods, there may not be. I don't like that. There's a TV series based on this. It's the Gotham PD. You Gotham PD is going to have apparently the Penguin in it. So I don't. So I know that there's probably going to be. I'm going to have to watch this if I want to watch the TV series. I don't like that, like I just said. But I think Paul Dano. Paul Dano is a phenomenal actor who has thrived on the Indies is usually a darling, will put 100% into his craft, does different things, is a phenomenal actor. Finally, to get a shot at an iconic villain 
in a big Batman film. The idea that Paul Dano could be and this generation's Heath Ledger, like they will look at the Riddler mm. like this. I'm 100% with you. I'm so excited for the villains. And you and I were having this discussion last week is we've really liked Christine Bell. But have any of the Batman films actually been really that much about Batman? Mm. This could be the first film where, you know, Robert Pattinson, uh, Robert, Pat, Robert Pattinson could actually do the Batman. He could actually be Batman as a character and be the main focus, <laughs> which yeah. is something that, that vaguely never really happens that much. Because that's, he, Robert Pattinson looks cool. And that, that's the other thing with the Batman is like, to me, it is Michael Keaton's aesthetics. I like the, the you know, the- The little um, symbol with the yellow background, yeah, the, the car. That that to me is is what Batman should look like. Everything else is a poor imitation. And the Christian Bale outfit, and I get it's supposed to evolve because you get the great scenes where he goes to Lucius. He's like, I need to be able to move a bit more. I need it yeah. to be dog repellent. I need it to be whatever it is. Yeah. Um. I, I, you know, certainly looking at what Ron Patterson is looking like in this one, that he looks like a cool Batman. Mm. It looks great because the Christian Bell one, I think it's it's always the character, it's always how it kind of comes around his cheeks and under his chin. Yeah, that always takes me out because I think, why would you just expose? It's like Robocop. Why would you just have your mouth on show? Ooh, you've called up ninety eight percent of your body you've covered <laughs> up and you've left your mouth open. You know what I mean? Like I, 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 it's a hill that I die on, but I think it's um. Ron Patterson certainly looks the part in this movie. Fucking Colin Farrell, what the hell is going on there? That that is cool. That is cool. I, I, I'm, I'm so, I don't know what it is I'm about to walk into. So I actually don't have any idea about the storyline. Mm. So it's actually very rare that I'm going into a film that I know very little about. Does that make sense? Yeah, because the, they've, the embargo is lifted tomorrow, but I'm, but I know the reviews have come out and people have, Fucking loving this. They say the last twenty minutes is insane. Yeah, that's they, the big thing for me. Oh, I've, like, I've heard it's all just is the best Batman. Yeah, which bearing in mind we just talked about one of the best films of all time, The Dark Knight. This that's high praise. So I'm so very looking forward to it. There's very little negatives. I'm really liking the idea. I'm going to see this film. I know very little about it because mm. I think I knew pretty much everything about The Dark Knight before I was going to see it. Like I thought, you know, the storyline was pretty obvious, but I don't know what storyline about this is at all. Well, we'll find out uh, next week and uh, we'll, we'll probably do a review of it at the end of the episode as is the way in case anyone hasn't seen it. But um, we're also next week going to do, we're going to look at Sky Cinema and some of the movies because we've done it, we've given it a lot of love to um, Netflix, to Amazon. Yeah. You know, what we, uh, we're taking our eyes off the ball a little it's bit like, with what's going on in Sky Cinema and now like, TV. It's like the unloved brother. <laughs> there you go. But, but I was on there the other day and I was like, shit, there's loads of films on here that I haven't seen that I need to catch up on. Um, that we'll do for next week. So loads of film recommendations as always next week. This has been our show on the Christopher Nolan Batman movies. If you haven't seen them for a while, go revisit them. Enjoy the Batman. If I don't see you later, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Goodbye.